Welcome to Biggest Geekest. This is Joe. I mean, we are your hosts. I am Joe. You are Joe, and I am Patrick. <laughs> this is episode 78 of our podcast, and the date is Tuesday, March 8, 2022. And we have, as he's already announced, Patrick. Patrick Vimo, friend uh, from here in Michigan of Pointy Hat Games. He will be joining me in lieu of Randy who has personal issues to take care of. So, welcome, Patrick. How are you today? Great. All Happy right. to be here. Good deal. Um, I am remiss uh, in my haste to get out of the shower and on the stream, clothed. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I did not reach for a Cabin Con shirt, uh, so you will have to forgive me. I'll have it, to fill in. It, it is... Um, it is the uh, the great one of the greatest artists ever. Well, maybe not really, but he's hey, certainly here. He's certainly um, well loved by everybody. Bob Ross. Yes, welcome Mortensen and Legion of Myth. You are our lone two viewers for the moment. Um, so we did not get any call-ins or email for this evening to uh, talk about. Hello, so, Timmy. Oh, Tim. Um, so am I, Mortensen? Who is that? What is that for? That's funny. Yes, um, most people prefer Joe Clothes. <laughs> ah, you you missed the intro. It was all explained. It will be in the show notes. I will um, try to fill Randy's shoes, but that's a tall order. Yes, hi, Larry. Let's see, we have... <laughs> yes, I'm Cesaro Randy from the plane of negative energy. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, there always will be the Planescape crack. So, yes. Um, and since um, since we don't have any call-ins or emails, I was just kind of cruising around the Internet for something maybe as lead-in stuff we can just chit-chat about. Are you uh, familiar with Brian Sanderson at all? Um, is he the guy that uh, finished off... Bill uh, Time. Bill Time, yeah. Yeah, he has a whole uh, whole bunch of his own books as well. Um, Dracopole, welcome. I don't remember seeing you in here before, but you are certainly welcome. Borat, okay, Borat. Not anyway. Brian Sanderson um, apparently was not happy about 
how this new game, which I have not played because my computer is owed, just like me, uh, Elden Ring. Are you familiar with Elden Ring at all? Jeff's been playing it ever since it came out. Right, so it's a essentially a version of Souls. That's about yeah, it's pretty much a Souls game. Right, right, right. So difficult. It's difficult, and get good is the byword by for the game. Which is going to be banned by Microsoft, I, from what I hear. Really? I didn't hear that part. Yeah, they want to ban the uh, the phrase, get good. Where? From, like, Where are they gonna... stuff. Like, you can get canceled off of Twitch. <laughs> the wrong thing. They, they want to ban the words, get good. Oh... I should start streaming there in conjunction with this. Um, I've been thinking about it. Well, and just where to be the first thing I'd say is get good scrub. Get good scrub. Yeah. So um, he didn't like that George R. R. Martin was tapped for the lore parts of that game instead of. Him. <laughs> oh my god! All right, I've got to throw some serious shade at George R. R. Martin. Okay, you're working on a video game. Finish your damn book. He doesn't need to. Yeah, because HBO finished it for him. It's like your great bearded glacier. You're not going to finish your 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 long running Game of Thrones series. You're just going to let HBO finish it, or you're going to totally Robert Jordan it and like die and have a ghostwriter do it. Probably won't. He'll probably write some more. He'll probably write some more. misery porn for us all to uh well i didn't read any of his novels uh i was thinking about it when i first started re- watching the series and then soon i was like yeah i'm not gonna read this stuff i'm not really a, a book uh lore junkie as far as game of thrones goes but i enjoyed like the first season but it just became more and more misery porn and it, there's only so much i can take before i really don't want to see it right so he got upset let me i can actually pull up the article um salty is the word the the article uses um i just thought it was funny i mean i don't i think it's kind of um weird that he would care one way or the other (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whether he got tapped. I mean, he could have petitioned them and said, hey, I am Brandon, Brian Sanderson. You should know about me, and I do lots of good stuff as far as lore. So It does seem like a little bit of uh, you know, sour grapes as far as, you know, why didn't you guys pick me? And I, there, there's a lot of designers out there and writers and authors who are like, why didn't you pick me to do this? It's like, well, we didn't think to. Sorry. And, you know, as um, as many people who like his books, as many people, as there are likely many people who like his books, George R.R. R. Martin is more familiar name. So if Elden Ring is looking for um, uh, the makers of Elden Ring, if they're looking for some, you know, extra advertising oomph, George R.R. R. Martin is going to bring it in, I think, more than Sanderson. Even if people like Sanderson's books more, George R. R. Martin is more in the public eye, in, in their mind. 
Mm-hmm. Say they've heard that you know Game, Game of Thrones. Everybody knows that. Oh, Dracopole! There, there are two, two A Song of Ice and Fire RPGs. Oh yeah, that's yeah. So is there a like a fifth edition or D twenty version, and then some other? Um. Yes, uh, Fantasy Flight Games did the very first one. But the one everybody really knows really well is the one done by Green Ronin. Oh, Green Ronin, of course. Yeah. It basically uses that... Um, Stormlight, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Stormlight Archive, yeah. I was trying to remember. I actually have the book one of that that I have not read yet. It's on my list of things to read. But um, funnily enough as a companion article to this, or story, really. Um, uh, Brian Sanderson currently has the highest grossing Kickstarter ever. Um, so I don't think he has a whole lot to complain about. Uh, oh, like, that's a nice little laurel crown for you. Right. He kick, I, And uh, people use it as... Um, a way to ensure that they have customers, I guess. It's a pre-order kind of thing. But, you know, as popular as he is, um, you'd think he wouldn't need it, but he sure used it. And uh, the last I looked, he had over $20 million in in uh, pre-orders or whatever. And that's... I, I always thought Kickstarter was... Um was for people more like me who don't have initial capital to print uh, games. Whereas, you know, now all these big name companies are, are coming in and, and they're showing you an actual finished product. And all of a sudden the expectations of everybody is like, like if you don't have a finished product, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm not going to back your game. Well, okay, thanks. Right, right. Well, the expectation from some people is that once you're on Kickstarter, um, you're just like finishing up final details. But a lot of people, they get their um, kind of marketing from uh, Kickstarter so that they know how many even to make. So, you know, some people do, some people don't. Heck, I, um, some people have uh, really, really high standards. Like, I've had some people uh, look at my artwork and, and say, oh, yeah, your, your game's not for me. Or I've had one person actually tell me, you have no business calling yourself a game designer. Well, people have all kinds of ugly things to say to other people. So, I mean. I don't um, even know you. Right. Well, I've said, uh, what? Wizards of the Coast would probably think is ugly. Yeah. And they don't know me. (laughs) But, and they probably haven't even seen anything I've said, most likely. So, yes, um, here it is. Four secret novels. Surprise, four secret novels. We don't even know what they are. Holy Uh, crap. um, So, yeah, 26 million and change. 22 days left to go, so it's going to get higher than that. Um. He, it's basically you get once you, when once it starts going out, uh, you get one 
book a month. And um, let me see if I can find it. If you want the hardcover books, they're 40 bucks a piece. Uh, let's see. If you get the soft cover, do they have soft cover? They've got audio and ebook. Uh, the ebooks are $40. And the audio books are 60 I guess he, he has to pay the person to do the the um, the um, narration. I think he probably does. Um, and then, of course, it goes up, just like everybody else. So, um, and I'm sure he has stretch goals that I don't really care about. But um, I just thought it was interesting. That's a lot of cheddar. Yeah. So, I wonder if he could pull that kind of cash from a publisher, because a lot of times, you know, someone like him, he's a well-established author has had done lots, has already done lots of things. They, are they already, I mean, they essentially, they pay you up front a chunk of um, what they think your, your book's going to bring in. And then you have some contract for the um, remainder of that for the, um, once the book is on sale, how much you get, what piece of each book you get. Uh, so there is a word for that, um, what the publishers give you up front, but I can't remember what it is. Anyway, yeah, I wonder looking, if that... Looking at those numbers for him, uh, I'm feeling a little uh, sodium-laced. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he gets $26 million from the publisher when he says, hey, I'm going to write some books. Um, can you give me advance in advance? That's what they call it. So can you give me an advance? Do, will they give him $26 million? I don't think that's, I think that's really high. And this is four books. Uh, what does it say? It's due out. Of course, October next year. So he gets to hold on to 26 million bucks. And I mean, he's writing, so there's I a whole tax season. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but even if he pays a one third of that, I mean, that's still over ten million bucks you get to keep. I mean, for writing, which I mean, granted, he if he's you know he's going to write four books, and he's so he's going to need all of his time to do that. And so, I mean, I would love if someone would like to give me $26 million to uh, to not otherwise work and just write, I would do that. That would be awesome. So I just thought it was an interesting twofer on Brandon Sanderson. In the one hand, he was complaining about not being the one for Elden Ring. And then I think he's a he's a he's a gamer. And I don't think that George R. R. Martin is. So he's he's played lots of video games. Um, Brian Sanderson has. So I suppose he believes he should. Some, you know, being in the community of gamers should probably get tapped before someone who is not. But yes, Tim, I would do it for ten million. I will take a. Pay I cut. wouldn't do it for half that. Yeah, five. One million dollars would take care of every single financial problem I have. Plus all of mine. Plus all of yours. And a couple of other your friends, at least. Yeah. 
<laughs> so anyway, I just thought that was interesting. All right. So um, if there is nothing else we uh, have on the docket, which there is nothing, um, our main topic today are five games, five from myself and five from, well, actually a point that way because that's where he's at. Um, no, no, that's still wrong. That's still wrong there. Um, Patrick has five games and it's, as long as it doesn't take us over five hours to do, we're gonna we're gonna talk about five games each that we think you would like to play, but definitely that we want to play, and we'll talk about the whys. So, being the guest, I will um, allow Patrick to go first. What is your first game that you would like to talk about? These are all games. Oh, also, these are all games that are not D and D. Yes. There are many, many games out there that are very much worthy of your playtime that are not Dungeons and Dragons. Not that Dungeons and Dragons isn't a fine game. It was basically everybody's first game. But uh, there, there's plenty outside of Dungeons and Dragons, and not everything needs to be Dungeons and Dragons. The first one I got off my shelf is Earth Dawn. Drink. I'm sure Legion of Myth. Uh, would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, five games for uh, Earth Dawn First Edition, Earth Dawn Second Edition, Third Edition, Forbidden Lands. Okay, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, Earth There's Dawn. A little, I sense a little bias in there. <laughs> Maybe a little. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> but um, I was introduced to the game during its second edition. Um, and it had it had a very, very unique world. And it's still high fantasy, but there are lots of different concepts about it that I really, really like. And uh, one of the unique concepts about it is that basically everything about Earth Dawn is magical magic permeates everything. Hmm, that's interesting. And uh, even uh, the, the disciplines, which are the classes of the game, every single discipline has magic to it. So even your warriors and your sword masters and your thieves have talents that are innately magical. And, um, like, for instance, the archers, uh, eventually archers can gain talents to where, like, one called Windbow, where he can basically create a bow out of thin air. I've heard of this. And fire that. Or at the upper end of their career? Thing. At the upper end of the, their career? Yep. Uh, quite a lot of experience? One of the, the first talents they have uh, is Mystic Aim. It actually puts a magical red targeting dot on your opponent. <laughs> That's funny. That you have uh, the the classic spellcasters um, in the the more traditional sense. There are four of them. You have elementalists, which uh, do the five elements magic: earth, air, 
fire. What? Jesus Christ. Not Randy, guys. <laughs> okay. So, Baron, uh, again, uh, because, you know, this this is uh, um, quickly becoming uh, a, an old joke. Um, <laughs> this was all explained at the very beginning. If you weren't here to hear it, that's your fault. What? Yes. Um, Patrick is filling in. Yes. Randy's uh, Randy's away. He is on the road, returning from uh, Indiana. Indiana, yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> you have the elementalists, which do the. <laughs> I'll do what I want. I'm I'm one of the co-hosts on the show, not you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the five elements: magic, uh, earth, air, fire, uh, water, and wood. You oh, have. that's like that's like Oriental Adventures. Yeah, almost, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. The wood, yeah. Oh, but, they also have metal, I think, too. Yeah, uh, gold, I think. But uh, you have illusionists, which is you can guess that they're magic. They are they trickery. Are they actual? So they're tricks, tricksters, and they actually have illusions, unlike castles and crusades. Yes, they actually Crusade. have illusions. Yeah, it, so they call an illusion is something that's not an illusionist. Yeah, so uh, their, their illusions can actually be disbelieved, but um, if if you actually uh, succumb to their illusions, their magic packs a pretty good punch. Can and you do so, weird things like walk on illusionary bridges and weird stuff no. like that? Oh, good, no. good, good, good. I'm I'm great with illusions having some punch behind them, but when they when they're they do wonky things like that, not so much. Like, uh, one of their first spells is Ephemeral Bolt, and it does a crap ton of damage, but you always have that chance that um, the uh, the target's not going to believe the Ephemeral Bolt, which they also have another uh, spell called True Ephemeral Bolt, which can't be disbelieved, but it does way less damage. Oh, oh, oh. Um, you have uh, Nethermancers, which are not quite Necromancers. Uh, they deal with uh, the astral plane, um, and they're really, really, yeah, yeah. yeah That's we, what you were just mentioning, right. an example yeah. of. Um, Nethermancers uh, deal with the astral plane. They're excellent spirit summoners. Um, sometimes they do deal with corpses and the dead and stuff like that. They deal with a lot of uh, fear magic. But they are really, really adept at taking on the horrors, which are the the big bads of Earth Dawn. Um, every every so many mil, uh, millennia or so, uh, the world goes through another magic cycle. Hmm. The manosphere gets really, really powerful, and it draws these extra dimensional beings called the horrors that come and basically feed on the manosphere. And also wreak untold havoc, and that's why everybody uh, retreats to these underground uh, safe havens called cares. But oh. uh, when the when the manosphere drops uh, to a safe level, people come out of the cares again and repopulate the world. <clears throat> and um, so underground bunkers, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, well, are they more like caves or are they actually underground? They can be underground cities. 
Oh, oh, almost yeah. like a Underdark, but not quite so deep or yeah. malevolent. Yeah. And then the last do they persist during peacetime or during do they? So these places were dug out during previous ages, but do they? Oracles, oracles can usually predict when another bout of the horrors are going to uh, invade. Right, but the places are still there. These cares. Yeah. So in you could fact, go explore uh, them. A, a lot of the dungeon crawling in the game is pretty much delving into these cares for lost artifacts and stuff. Huh. That's pretty cool. And it gives a good reason why all of these underground um, places that don't really have good explanations elsewhere um, would exist. Yep. And uh, the last spellcaster is uh, a wizard. The classic spellcaster deals with, you know, time and space magic. Uh, I think they're the only spellcasting class that actually has a resurrection spell. And yeah, the wizard. The wizard. Um, well, if he's the master of um, space and time, resurrection kind of makes sense. Yeah, they they basically travel into the astral plane, chasing after that silver thread that attaches mm. your soul to your body. And then basically reel you back in. It's <laughs> interesting. But, um, uh, wizards are also uh, the the consummate uh, intelligentsia. A wizard cannot look stupid in front of everybody. Uh, they're they're the Sherlock Holmes of um, all of the disciplines. They have to look brilliant and intelligent in everything they do, and they're highly perceptive and and all that. Oh. Another thing I liked about Earth Dawn is um, the magic items. Because the magic items, they once you've attached one of your your spirit threads uh, mm-hmm. and made the item yours, you learn new things about the item. And you can basically feed your legend points, which are your experience points in the game, into the item to make it grow with you. And um, Basically, every single threaded magic item is a unique thing. Like uh, you know, you do you don't. There is nothing like a, a plus two sword, or even a vorpal sword. No, you you find uh, Kegel's broadsword, and hmm. uh, it starts out looking like a, a rusty blade, but once you uh, figure out, you know, it's it was Kegel's old sword. You know, maybe uh, reforge it or visit an old care that uh, that he visited. You can unlock its powers, and eventually it gets the the power to, you know, yeah, throw a flame around it to do extra damage, or or light up a room, or deal extra damage to horrors. That's and, interesting. Yeah, Legion of Myth is right. The wizard's evidence analysis talent can be almost game-breaking in a pure investigative adventure. Yeah, and evidence analysis, the way I see it is exactly the way it's done in the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, where uh, um, the, you know the this mustn't register on an emotional level. And then everything slows down to a crawl and he just explains everything as, you know, he observes everything and predicts everything. But yeah, it's, it, it's like that. But, um, Earth Dawn also uses, a, a 
a unique mechanic of uh, the their step system. Uh, it the step system is based on a a mathematical constant or or a formula or analogy that's named after a famous mathematician. I can't remember what it is, but basically your your attribute and your talent levels determine what step you use. And the step determines what dice pool you roll. Like, I'm just pulling this out of my head, step 15 might give you like 2d8 and a d6 to roll. They're all, oh my god, Indigo Dragon, I am going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, that's three. three. I, I wonder... Let's have no, a. That's the new drinking game. That's the new drinking game. It's the drinking Make game for the evening. Forms, drink. And 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 we're gonna have a poll. We're gonna have um, uh, it's not a poll. Uh, put in chat how many times do you think the new person in will say this? So we're at three. How high will it go by the end of the chat? But okay. Uh, back, to steps. Yep, back to steps. Uh, the dice are open-ended, so if you roll the maximum... That's it! Thank you, I can sleep now. Because it's going to keep me up all night. Oh, thank you. I gotta write that down. But, um... Anyways, the dice are open-ended, so if you roll the maximum on any die, you take another die of the same type, roll it and then add them together you just add them because some uh, yeah. some exploding dice mechanics have you reduce the number of your first die by one which i thought i read that in this one game so if you you roll a d6 and you get a six well you make that six a five and roll a d6 and then you add the new result so i'm not sure why they do that but nope not uh, not unless i miss something uh, but so, anyway yes. Uh, one more thing, uh, a little bit about uh, Earth Dawn, is that I believe it is the first role-playing game to have introduced the concept of healing surges that was big in 4th edition. Uh, you get, based on your toughness stat, you get a number of recovery tests per day. Oh. And um, most uh, healing, you, you only get those couple of times. Um and other than that, uh, you you'll need actual real healing potions to uh, supplement your healing. Is and, it actual healing, or is it more like um, in D anD D, where hit points are more? Um, uh, maybe your first few are actual health, and the rest of it is uh, luck and stamina and experience. Uh, maybe. Uh, you do have an unconsciousness rating and a death rating. Your unconsciousness rating is how much damage you can take before you fall unconscious. And your death rating is how much damage you can take before you actually die. You know, I think uh, Legion of Myth uh, over on his channel, on their channel, um, they have uh, some... Um, Earth Dawn videos, maybe yes, one or two. I've I have watched almost all of them. They're very good. And do you do you have Legion of Myth? Do you have one of is one of your ten minute deals on Earth Dawn, or are you did you just leave that for the longer ones? 
Anyway, we'll give him a chance to answer that. So, yes, the healing surges. So, yeah. and Earth Dawn came out long before fourth edition. Oh, yeah. So, that's cool. Anything else you want to say? So, okay, so you've given a lot of good. Uh, you would like to do either play or GM? I would play or GM. But I will be playing, uh, I, I will be a GM this right. weekend. Yeah. So you did a 10-minute intro to erectile dysfunction? <laughs> that, that's kind of off topic a little bit. Oh. oh. So 10-minute, uh, Legion of Myth has a 10-minute intro to Earth Dawn on their channel. Um, well, if, I, I, if I recall, I if I... Uh, yeah, he he also has uh, some longer a ones. Video sure. on on every class too, or discipline. On um, what's what's that again? He has uh, videos on every discipline too. Oh, that's cool. So he has an intro. They have an intro as well as detailed videos. Several. Yeah, several. I, I was only uh, kidding earlier when I said one or two. I know they had many, more than that. Um, so. If you if you want for this weekend, uh, you can watch his uh swordmaster video for your your character i know a little bit about it just from reputation but yeah i probably should um he said they are the um uh, flamboyant's not the right word they're swashbuckly swashbuckler types, very very much swashbucklers which is cool i like that all right um to you And okay, so you do have something ready for this weekend. Yes. Good deal. And uh, would you have? So if someone said, "Hey, Pat, we need you to do a long-term campaign," would you be able to do that at the drop of a hat for Earth Dawn? You'd have something you could probably run, like yeah. say at Cabin Con. Mm. I'm running some games at Cabin Con. Good deal. All right. And before we go back over to me, what what do you think it, about it that is most different from D and D? It's most different, <laughs> or just something that the, something that you think sets it apart from D and D as an RP, as an RPG. Um, it's it's a lot freer in in uh, in way of like disciplines. Um. You, you have a more freeform development. If you want to really, really um, develop your, like, melee weapon skill, you can do that. You can be a first circle um, warrior with, like, a rank five in melee weapons if you want. Or you can spread out your legend points to get many different abilities. You can, if, you're, if they're even compatible, you can join another discipline. Like, uh, I've... Like a lot of the spellcasting disciplines work well together, and uh, somebody who's considered to have mastered his craft in one area can take on different type, different type of magic if he wants. Mm -hmm. It seems we have an invader in our uh, chat here. That's some weird characters there. Seek unless, and destroy. Uh, unless Samla Jalsi, which sounds like a very suspect name. Can explain themselves. You will get uh, you will get booted here in a couple of minutes. Anyway, drop the big um, hammer on him. The um, biggest hammer. The biggest. The biggest. Nobody knows band hammers like me. <laughs> Everybody knows that. 
All right. So my first game I want to talk about is Hackmaster. This is Hackmaster. the newest edition. This is not Hackmaster 4th edition. This is just Hackmaster. A lot of people call it 5th edition. Um, yeah, I have the 4th edition. Right. Uh, Hackmaster uh, was originally a, um, a phony game over at... Um, um, Knights of the Dinner Table? Yes, Knights of the, the Dinner Table talked about a fictitious game called Hackmaster, and it was uh, pretty much and a parody. And Warhamster and a couple other games, they just um, made them up. And it was it's a very enjoyable uh, comic. Um, eventually, they were able to get some licensing from, uh, I believe it was Wizards of the Coast at the time, still is, um, to make uh, an actual game because their fans really wanted them to. And uh, so they made it. It was still kind of, it was still parody, full-on parody of, of um, D&D at the time, AD&D, not third edition because third edition was around the time it came out. Can't remember if it was slightly before or slightly after. I don't remember the timing. But um, I picked up a little bit of that here and there. And um, further on down the line, I don't remember the timeline, uh, they decided to do their own game, which is what this is. And uh, what I'm most drawn to, now it, it um, the bits that remain are probably some lore, um, the world they developed, um, names of certain things, but it's not D&D. It has some resemblance, but it's really not D&D, especially not the initiative system, which and it's too bad that um, that Bruce isn't on yet, but maybe he'll still be on while, while I talk about it. Uh, we'll come on. Maybe he'll come on while I'm talking about it. That so, initiative system for Hackmaster is a lot like another role-playing game I played called Arcanus. Yeah, I've heard that. And um, I really like it. Yeah. I it's just it's just something you need to get used to. Yeah, because when you're used to cyclic initiatives, like like in D anD D, going to what this is, which it, what it is is it's tracked second by second. So each thing that you well, when you start off, you roll an initiative die like most games, and you have modifiers to it which make it smaller instead of larger. So you uh, so you want small numbers so you act earliest because that tells you what second you first act in you do your first thing that you do for the combat and then each uh subsequently what you decide to do has a time uh element to it and in a number of seconds and then starting from the time after your first action let's say you rolled and you had three you acted in second three and you do your thing your subsequent actions, let's say you want to swing your sword again, let's say it takes five seconds to do that, you would act in second eight subsequently. That's very rough. It's probably slightly wrong, but that's the gist. And that, that applies to anything you would do. Movement, spell casting, anything. And it's so you just... Famous. Right. So, and then uh, there's no real there's no real cycles to it. You just count off the seconds, and then uh, folks who can act faster act more rapidly and get more actions per unit of time than, say, slower folk. So 
um, and that's how that works. And it seems to uh, it's it, on paper it looks more dynamic and a little more interesting than just you roll your die and then you wait for your turn, you do your thing, you wait for your turn, you do your thing. It's always in the same order throughout the whole combat. It's kind of predictable, kind of boring, but. I mean, it's something we're all used to. It's easy to step into for all the games that do that still, which is most games. But that's the main thing I like about Hackmaster. Yeah, um, I, I I totally, totally gel with that kind of uh, initiative uh, system, and I plan on wholeheartedly uh, adapting it for my own game. Right. Um, Hackmaster is very similar, but not the same as D&D. It uses a lot of the same verbiage, for characters, you have, you know, wizard and uh, I think it's fighting man, perhaps something like that. I can't remember. It's oh, been a while. Fighting man. <laughs> but uh, they have four basic classes and then some um, subclasses as well. And uh, the way the experience works is a little different. And you um, you spend your experience instead of just accumulating it, kind of like with Earth Dawn, because you accumulate your legend points and then you spend them on things and you, in a, you do that in a similar fashion with uh, Hackmaster if I'm remembering correctly but it's very it's a very familiar game to D&D but just not exactly the same and the thing that sets it apart the most is um, I believe the initiative part of the game combat is a little different um, once you get past that it, um, the other thing that's different about it combat-wise is um, when you do combat, it's all opposed roles. So the attacker and defender both roll. And then if you win, of course, you hit. And then armor can blunt the attack. Uh, shields can do that as well. Shields operate a little differently um, in the game. But it's a bit modular. So what they suggest you do is you... Sit, um, do little bits at a time until you get familiar with it. And I enjoy modular games. Right. So I'm planning on running some mock combats uh, for Hackmaster at Cabin Con. Excellent. Because yeah. I only got to I only got to try out the one time at your place. Right. So um, most parries. Yes, Bruce says Hackmaster does have a minus four on most parries. So uh, I'm not sure what that's in reference to, but that's good stuff. So we're gonna we're going to test out uh, Hackmaster's combat, and um, it's not really tongue in cheek. Um, not really. There's some the fifth the fifth edition. There's some naming of things that's kind of funny, uh, like the Grunge Elf. <laughs> um, there's a couple other things like that. that. Over. The um, the monster book I have over here, I think the uh, their monster book, uh, the Hacklopedia of Beasts. So there's still a little bit of tongue in cheek in some things, but you could still run it as a serious game. I wonder the if they still have the White Rabbit from Monty Python. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. They don't call it that, of course, but the White Rabbit. Um, I can pull the book. I can hold on. Or if they have the um, some of the spells <laughs> Master Fourth Edition. Uh, 
So the books are very well made. This is the Hacklopedia of Beasts. It is very pretty. It looks like an encyclopedia. Uh, and same thing for the player's handbook. Leather. I think it's faux leather. I don't think it's real leather. They're very heavy. You could you could do a workout with these things. So, and the I don't Take know. Notes how, game. <laughs> I don't know how well you can see the page here. Yeah. Um. It's it's pretty well laid out and um, professionally done, but just like every other game that is ever made on God's green earth, they kind of forget something called an editor. So, um, I mean, it's a rare creature, kind of like kind of like a unicorn. So maybe that's why most uh, game designers. You know, don't use one because they're hard to find. Oh, by hard, I mean expensive. It makes your books cost more. But I wonder. I mean, I have a I have an English degree, and I was told time and time again, don't ever be your own editor. Right, right, because you're going to miss things because you wrote it all. There's going to be things you're going to. There's going to be a lot of things you catch, but there's going to be a lot of things you don't. Because you you read it differently because you wrote it, and your head will fill in things that are actually missing. Yeah, it doesn't look like anything like that is in here. But it might have a weird name. But all the regular, all the very familiar monster types are in here. Bugbear, Brownie, Basilisk, um, Etten. They have something called a grill. But yes. Very, that's very the grunge elf. I think it's a short for grunge elf. What's that? Max says, uh, don't be your own lawyer and don't be your own editor. Right, right. So um, the game suffers from editing issues. Um, it's another reason why I've kind of drugged my feet to actually play it because when I read through the player's handbook, it's kind of like you, you're like, how can you not have seen these things? But what can you do? It's it's very common in the industry uh, it, for reasons we already talked about. So um, I think I would like to play it as well as GM it, but I I and Randy are, as far as I know, the only ones who own in our in our gaming group, though it's a pretty decent-sized group around 20 or so folks here locally. Um, I think we're the only ones who have uh, the books and I don't even have the DMG. It was, uh, um, they were running, they were trying to gear up for a new print run for it. So hopefully I can get a hold of it at some point. I have the PDFs. But, but editors are expensive. Yes, I'm sure they are because it takes a long time. Yeah. And I think, um, having actual editing runs extends your print um, or your development time for your, your book quite a bit. So there's that too. All right. So um, at the moment, I do not have it, have the, um, have anything truly ready for it for this game that I'm running at cabin con. Uh, but honestly, I just need to 
uh, I'm only going to run mock battles because I want because yeah. the initiative system is um, uh, unfamiliar enough that I I think I need some practice at it. If <clears throat> if I if I do, I might try to have something ready so that if I say by Saturday am comfortable enough, I might actually run something more complete. All right. Moving on. Moving on to Patrick's number two. Shadowrun. Sixth World. Now I'm not familiar with that cover. What ver- What is that? What vi- What it's, edition? It's the, it's the sixth edition. Oh, okay. Sixth World. Sixth, sixth edition. World, okay. Sixth edition. Um, I have uh, kind of a love hate relationship with the the various editions of this game because each edition that came out took one step forward and another step back. That particular edition? Uh, every single one of them. Oh, oh okay. Um, the editions were kind of similar between... <laughs> oh, Max. It has they, them pronouns. That's probably why he's calling it that. Um... Um, Oh, how do you stand on that? My favorite was third edition. So Legion of Myth contends second edition is the best edition. Um, Hopefully this does not devolve into an edition war. So gentlemen, remain calm. Mainly the big thing I like about um, third edition was the fact that all the various spells for mages... Uh, got uh, correlated uh, instead of a different damage, a different spell for each uh, damage setting. They were all just one spell. So instead of mana dart, mana missile, mana ball, mana bolt, you just had mana bolt, and then you chose which. Uh, uh, oh, what configuration you wanted to do, and then your drain was calculated based on that. But anyways, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Shadowrun is a cyberpunk role-playing game. Um, except the big twist is that uh, there's magic in it, and all the old races of Earth Dawn. Yes, Earth Dawn was the uh, one of the previous uh, worlds. Uh, when it was tied to Shadowrun before uh, before fourth edition, I think. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, that wasn't a first edition thing. Being no, tied to Shadowrun. First and second, uh, I think even third edition uh, was was tied to Earth Dawn, but I think they cut it off when fourth edition came along. Oh, okay. Oh, it oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing about that. Tied to Shadowrun back when. When Fasa was was still a a company under um, um, I can't remember the name. Anyway, um, yes, Max. Earth Dawn is the fourth age. Shadowrun is the sixth age. But uh, you have your 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 classic tropes of you know your your street samurai, your your data hackers, but you also have in the mix. Uh, mages and shamans who can summon spirits and use magic. Jordan Weissman. Oh, thank you. 
Max saving my butt. Um, Jordan Weissman. I I will still never forgive myself for the missed opportunity. The the one game I have put out, uh, Elemental Conflux, I got Jordan Weissman to stop by and play the game with us. And I did not think to freaking take pictures. Mm. <laughs> so... Well, I'm a, sure if you cornered him and twisted his arm behind his back, he would admit to actually playing your game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably. He, he probably, he's probably, he probably, he probably remembered if you. I mean. Oh yeah, dude, dude's, dude's totally chillax. Yeah. But um, I love, uh, I love Shadowrun. Uh, actually, the role playing game was not my first introduction to Shadowrun. My first introduction to Shadowrun was the Sega Genesis game. Well, right. So you you played the Sega game before you played the tabletop game. Yes, and I I loved the I, I loved the the high tech and magic kind of thrown in the mix, and it was a, a dark, dreary world, and it was uh, it was dystopian and stuff, and your mercenaries running the shadows. And I thought this would be an awesome role playing game. You know, I remember playing game. Yeah, I remember years ago. Uh, when Dragon Magazine was worth getting, they advertised a game called Torg. Mm. And it seemed to have a similar theme to it. Earth being, uh, Earth having, um, transforming mm. after some event, and now there's magic. But I might be remembering that correctly. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah. So Tor- Torg does do that? Uh. Uh, kind of. I Pointy Hat Games uh, shared uh, a booth wall with uh, the guys who run Torg, um, but I never stepped over to like uh, uh, look at their their role playing game. But uh, Earth Dawn made a big change when it hit fourth edition. Hmm. Uh, the way target numbers and, and stuff are done in classic Shadowrun is that you just have a target number and you roll um, an entire container of six-sided dice uh, to try and hit the numbers. And it's one of those ones where you're, if your target number is like a seven or a nine, you got to get a six on one of those dice and then roll another six-sided die to try to hit the target number. Um but with fourth edition, do you just roll your dice uh, and you count the number of fives and sixes you get? Hmm. Now, I'm not the guy that scoffs at the just getting a number of fives and sixes. It reminds me a lot of um, oh my god, my brain is just not working tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, the Aliens RPG. Oh yes, yes, yes. Midlands, right, right, right. That system, yes. Free, free league system. Free league, yeah. It's a, the free yeah. league system, yeah. But um, there's a lot of people who really, really turn their zero, back. Your zero engine. Your zero engine. Oh my yes. god. Yes, I was trying to beat Legion of Myth because I knew he was going to do it. So I <laughs> barely nick of time. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll take it to recovering from a stomach bug for me. I I think I have to turn in my gamer card now. 
But anyway, um, yeah, a lot of people turned their back on Shadowrun at 4th edition. I did not. Um, I think I think there were a lot of cool things with 4th edition Shadowrun. 5th um, edition Shadowrun... Uh, the, that started getting into some weird, weird stuff where they had, like, limits on how many successes you can get. And uh, Magic started doing some weird stuff. But now, 6th edition Shadowrun, they did some cool things, but it was one step forward, three steps back, and I, I don't know. I, I can't. I, so I you can't. have it, but you're, it's not your favorite edition. Oh, no. No, not by far. Not I by have, far. I have it one. Let's see. I have second. I have second edition. I have second edition Shadowrun. Is that, is that one of the approved editions? What's that? Is that one of the approved acceptable editions? Second Which, edition? Second, oh, yeah, yeah. Second edition is one of the uh, best. Good deal. Oh. But, uh, I will always... Who? Yeah. That's I no good. Only Owl says, fifth edition removed the ability to make your own spells. That's no fun. Yeah, I think... Um, I don't even know if they put the, the stuff back in for the street grimoire. No, I don't think they did. What's that? Uh, the usually the the street grimoire is the uh, the the magic book they put out for every edition, and um, I don't think they put in the the spell design rules. What was that but you just said? That last bit. They didn't put back in the spell design rules. Oh, that's the one thing. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, far shadow run goes. Um, Give me a couple of days, and I can have a campaign ready. Um, I have files, folders, and file folders of NPC characters, locations, and points of interest for an entire Seattle campaign. Um, I have so many great memories of Shadowrun. So many runners that I would love to... uh, uh, to run through the shadows again, and, and shadow uh, running is a thing, mm-hmm. right? That's the net, that's the net running bit, or is that uh, yeah, actually the, the running through the shadows of the alleys against the corporations? Uh, shadow running is the shadow running is the mercenary work you take, right? And that's basically pitting one corporation against the other, or being against a particular one, which is a bad idea because they hold all the power or something like yeah, that. Uh, the uh, agents called uh, just called Mr. Johnson will offer you work and you know it's up to your team whether or not you negotiate proper pay and uh, the um, the stuff you need to do to form the shadow run and it's it, it's the work you do is is the shadow run. And it's sanctioned by Mr. Johnson and whoever is behind Mr. Johnson. Whoever is behind Mr. Johnson. Right. But can you do shadowing running that's not sanctioned? Well, uh, you, I'm sure you could. I mean, if, you it, had a, 
if you had a vendetta against a particular corporation, there's nothing stopping you from going in and stealing data files or something. But okay, so me, I, I like being uh, uh, playing uh, good guy versus bad guy. I mean, in these games, but in Shadowrun, it's dystopian, shades of gray. Nobody's really the good guy or the bad guy. Everybody's just. Um, oh, okay. I know what you're. I know what you're saying. Um, the the what you're talking about playing the good guy is what the Shadowrun world calls hooding, as in Robin Hooding. Ah. Oh, that sounds derisive. Uh, um, well, you, you you can also choose to not take a job too if you know it's going to harm innocence and stuff like that. Right, right. But um, <clears throat> but I understand it's a dystopian. It has that feel of the gray. Everything's yeah. gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, could you could you take the cyber run? Uh, and. I mean, so can you play? Could you play that game, Shadowrun, in that vein, and kind of turn it on its edge a little bit, and sure. have fun with it? Sure, sure. Um, the only thing is, I would I would not like do a one shot thing anymore because Shadowrun has this. I think it may just be me, but Shadowrun has this nasty habit of attracting the psychopaths players uh, where it's like, oh, we're criminals. But yeah, just because you're a criminal doesn't mean you're a deranged psychopath who murdered every NPC. And last time I ran it at Cabin Con, that's exactly what happened. It turned out to be a freaking murder fest. Oh, boy. Yeah. And it's like, nope, never doing this again. (laughs) So Shadowrun, I will only run campaigns where you please get attached to your character because you're going to be using it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, but it's, that's one of the main things that sets it apart is, yes, the, Martin, is the tone. The, the guard booth. Uh, Martinson just mentioned uh, the guard booth. I had one guy who, uh, who they, they did the shatter run. They got into the, the, the port. They got with the, the crate they needed and they were driving out with a delivery truck had everything running smooth. Guards didn't even know what hit them. And then the well, one of the players decided, okay, there's no punishment for me acting out in this game. So I'm going to take a frag grenade, toss it in the guard booth, and drive off laughing maniacally. Oh, boy. So uh, obliterated the, guy, the guys in the guard booth, set off an alarm, and by the end of the scenario where I just decided, okay, that's it, I'm done tonight, uh, he had gone on a Grand Theft Auto-style citywide police chase with Lone Star, where they had helicopters and stuff chasing after this vehicle. And it's like, this has become complete clown shoes. I, I'm done. Well... Um, we'll figure out how this goes, you know, next week. Right. The the thing about um, convention play, and that can apply to Cabin Con, is um, one shots can be a little cheap. So people can tend to act um, in a kind of a emotionally heightened state, I guess you can say, where they just want to murder everything or whatever act act where they, where they may not act in a home campaign 
And because, you know, uh, to be fair, uh, can, uh, at Cabin Con, and I would imagine at other conventions, I've never been to any other ones, um, people want something a little different. So something special, something to remember. So this is the day that I murdered a whole world. Yay! Yeah, and in Shadowrun, I really, I really get into uh, storycraft, and I really get into attaching uh, people to NPCs. Could do a cabin con campaign. Oops, like a uh, like Randy does with Thirteenth Age. Just have something that's done every time, and and maybe even uh, run some stuff back home afterwards too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but uh. Let's move on to uh, your next pick. Okie dokie. Uh, yes, one shots lets you test the system like what I'm do- going to do with um, uh, with Hackmaster. <laughs> with Hackmaster, with the game that I forgot the name of momentarily. <laughs> That's why Murder Hobo is a, is a legitimate criticism of all role-playing games. Yeah. A test the system, that means you're allowed to see if you're able to be a psychopathic murderer. Somebody else uh, said something like that. Everybody yeah. wants to be chaotic neutral. With regard to Shadowrun, to be fair, the system encourages psychopaths. Only the system or the, or the setting? Maybe the setting does. I don't know about the system. Because it said the system. How does the system do that? That would be interesting to find out. Encourages. You get experience points for acting weird? Okay. Maybe he means the setting, and they're kind of tied to so tightly together, it's the same. I think a lot of people associate criminal with psychopath. Right, right, right. Well. And not, like, maybe fancy art thief who never hurts anybody. Right, right. Oh, that was a movie. Um, couple. All right. My next one is Rifts. Oh, pure liquid crazy. Yes. I have, uh, in my possession, what version is this? Well, I don't, there's, I don't think there's multiple versions of Rifts. Rifts. This is the ninth printing from September, 1995. Printings, yes. But, uh, if there's one thing you can say about Kevin Symbiata is his role-playing game has pretty much stayed the same. Yeah, minor as tweaks. Gone, though, as it has gotten. Yeah, but I like Rifts. Um, Rifts, uh, I've had different opinions of it over the years. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> Draco Paul, spit take, Rifts, ha-ha. Yes. Spit take, need a drink. Yes. Uh, for me, Rifts is kind of the ultimate kind of like playing heavy metal. Mm, the, yeah. the cartoon, a movie, heavy metal. Uh, Rifts kind of represents that because, uh, in a way because in, in a Rifts game, you could have all those different kinds of things in it. Um, with the addition of the second heavy metal movie, which is more Rifts-like in the post-apocalyptic realm. Um, because in the, if I remember, no, no, that's the first, that's the first movie I'm thinking of. Anyway, you got the a post-apocalyptic um, rifts from different dimensions open up, and all kinds of weird critters hop through, and um, the Earth forms a pretty much fascist totalitarian 
um, state Uber state America to um, fend off the 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 uh, DBs, dimensional beings, and um, then you have your your other faction. There's pro- there's multiple factions, but the two main ones are, and I can't remember it. Um, what's the name of? Huh? The uh, the NGR, the New German Republic. No, I mean the what I just described the big the big conglomerate of um, North American fascist. The coalition. The coalition. So you got the coalition, and then you have um, the magic guys. Federation of Magic. Federation of Magic. So those Which are is, the- strangely enough, it, it's it's located in uh, this. Um, magic land called Tolkien. Yeah, yes, and that's something. here in Mid Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> because Michigan is magical, apparently. Well, Michigan is also Kevin Symbiota's home. Right, right. So, um, I can right. So, um, the those bits aside, because <clears throat> I I don't like the coalition. I would never. I, if I ran, uh, if I ran a player, I would not want to be a coalition dude, but um, it's interesting uh, background for the story. And there's all kinds of craziness. You can be um, a lowly uh, headhunter um, or a dragon or a godling or any number of, you can be a vampire. I believe there's a vampire version, but um, some of those are restricted to world books in any event though. Um, I like one of the things that you said earlier about the Palladium system is that it's fairly standard across all the different games, Rifts, um, Palladium Fantasy, and anything else you can imagine that they use. The only one that had the second edition to it. Correct. Uh, Revised. I have the revised one back here. And uh, that's one of the great things about it is that it hasn't really changed. There's been minor tweaks over the years, but not, not a huge deal uh, as is opposed. It, is it balanced? Oh God, no. <laughs> and that's awesome. It doesn't need to be. I, I think people worry about balance too much. Um, Just don't let your, don't let your players play godlings or, or whatever. I mean, um, with balance, if, if things are too balanced, it gets boring. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one thing you probably can't say about Rifts. The boring is not it. <laughs> uh, you may you may think it's Gonzo or Wonky. I'll call it Wonky. Um, Gonzo's not precisely it, but it's pretty close. I um, if I had one complaint about Rifts, um, it's that I don't really care for the system quite so much. Now. Dude can write some world books and some fluff and some setting stuff. That's awesome. But, um, like, one of the problems I have with the system is all the skills are percentile-based, where you you have a skill from 1% to 98%, which is where it tops off. I can't remember in the book, but a person with a 98% skill has the same chance of succeeding at a skill, uh, a 90% chance of installing a pro... If you have, like, a computer skill... Stop that. Hmm? If you have a computer skill, a person with a 98% computer skill 
has a 98% chance of installing a program on that computer. And he still has a 98% chance of hacking some coalition mainframe with like maximum security measures. There's no, I don't think there's a, a, a scaler for like difficulty. Oh, I have no idea. Um, I haven't run it much. I've played in it a bit. I would really love to dig into it. <laughs> and actually, um, yes, Bruce Lombardo has something funny to say. Um, I love how Rifts has replaced all the insurance companies in Iowa and Illinois and replaced them with death bomb factories. Lots of power plants to make mega damage capacity armor. Yes, um, and that's one of the things that sets um, Palladium apart from D&D is two different types of armor. You have Max SDC. To, yeah, Max says you're supposed to uh, add, GM modifiers. add modifiers to rolls. Okay, I I guess I missed that. I haven't I have not looked at a, uh, a palladium in a long time. Right. Even yeah. though I have one downstairs. Right. So, um, what was I just saying? I lost my momentum. Um, I would Sorry, love to. No, no problem. It's a it's it's a, it's a game I'd love to run. I need I'd like to dig deep into it and play either play it and or run it. I'd love to run a game. Um, a, a long campaign in Rifts. I think it'd be a lot of fun. You were talking about SDC versus MD. SDC, yes. SDC, it's one of the things that sets apart. Thank you, Pat. Um, it's one of the things that sets it apart from D&D. You have two levels of armor, structural damage capacity, SDC, and mega damage capacity, MDC. Um, if you are going up against something with MDC and all you have are weapons like, you know, regular guns, It'll just bounce off and do no damage whatsoever, no matter how many bullets you, you throw at it. The but unfair it, thing is that one MDC damage equals 100 SDC damage, but 100 SDC damage does not equal one mega damage. Right. There is. I know that there is uh, some alternate rule or something. I was listening to one of the Legion of Myth uh, uh, episodes and, on in one of the books, it said something about if you do a hundred damage in one shot, it would a equal um, one mega damage. And I can't remember what the circumstances were, what book that was in. Hmm. Um, anyway, I, I thought that was in the core riffs book. Is that right? So that in right core riffs? No, I don't think so. But. Um, it's some other some other variant rule somewhere. Um, one hundred STC equals one M one MD according to Legion of Myth. So it is somewhere. I think because of the organization issues that all Palladium books have, where you, it's something that would be easily overlooked. Because not all of the rules that pertain to a particular situation like this are all in the one spot together to, for easy reference. Easy reference is not something Kevin Sambita does. Uh, not really. So, yeah. Um, Riffs uh, and Palladium in general has this. Apparently the change was in Riffs 2nd edition. He, Ethan Dog knows better than I do. Okay. I mean, if they changed it, that that's, that's fine. I think that's a good change. Yeah. So, I didn't realize they had a 2nd edition. That's cool. Um, but it's it's like that thing there, the 100 SDC equals 1 MD. It's kind of a minor change. 
because you have to shoot a lot of bullets to get 100 SDC. And by the time you shoot that many bullets, that, that one MDC, one MD um, um, pulse uh, cannon shot, or multiple MD likely, is going to make all of you grease stains on the ground. But yeah. um, unless you have MD, MDC armor. So you can have MDC armor, or you could be an MDC creature player like a dragon. Max just said Rift's Ultimate is uh, the second edition. Okay. Okay, I've seen that book. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah. I will have to pick that up. So, yeah, where D&D, you have armor class, and you have your hit points. You have damage reduction that reduces damage, but you don't really have the MDC equivalent in the D&D paradigm. Right. Not really. So... Right, so when you're fighting creatures, supernatural creatures have it generally, and it's really big, like spaceships and whatnot. Um, I, I think maybe uh, uh, something like the size of a um, um, battleship, big a big carrier probably has um, should have MDC, but may not. It may just it may just have gigantic amounts of SDC. <clears throat> which is different from hit points. So you could have in rifts three different quantities of points to keep track of um, hit points, SDC and MDC. You could, I'm, I'm not sure if that's true. I think, but I think so. If you have, if you're an MDC creature, you might have all three. The way you, uh, no, I think you only have one or the other. You're either an SDC or an MDC. Or MD, yeah. Maybe that may be true. Yeah. The way they described SDC is, uh, you know, the John Wayne shrugging off uh, bullets, you know, it's just a scratch. But uh, hit points are where you're actually wounded and bleeding. That's your squishy bits. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't have very many. No. As a, no, there's not that many. You definitely don't have, a, generally speaking, a hundred. You, you might. Building. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, I know you've watched some Legion of Myth, but I have you watched uh, uh, many of their Palladium videos because max will wax rhapsodic about how he does not like all of the skills adding various things um like acrobatics and athletics and boxing and all of that it's quite it's quite entertaining um i will have to check out those videos i think i will starting tomorrow um another plug for them um this year they said they're having their year of palladium so they've had some in the past, and now they're doing this whole year. They're doing Palladium books. They're, uh, I am listening to um, the beginning of the year started with uh, the Invid invasion. So, in any event, uh, riffs. If you are if you're wanting science fiction and fantasy and aliens and Cthulhu all jammed together um, with post-apocalyptic fascist um, overlords who only are looking out for your best interests. Riffs could be very fun. So, that's my pick number two. Patrick? Pick number three. Harp. Oh, I've heard of Harp. High Adventure Role Playing. Um... This harp is an offshoot of uh, rules master. I mean, role master. And uh, oh, I'm sorry. I got to cor- make a correction. It's not the invent invasion. It's the mechanoid invasion. 
Uh, slightly okay. different. Slightly different. But, uh, okay, sorry. Go ahead. Harp's an offshoot of uh, Rollmaster. Um, oh, okay. And it's a very, very streamlined, very simplified Rollmaster. Um, Is it what's it compared to Harn? I've heard of Harn. I think Harn is a setting for a role-playing game. Harn is a setting, not a system. Okay. That may be. I think. Don't don't quote me on that. Uh, I'm going to quote. But if I'm, you were to... I'm stamp and write it down. <laughs> if you were to take Role Master and... Uh, if you take Role Master, cut down a lot of its... Collate a lot of its skills... And you know, in Rollmaster, where you make an attack, you roll the the D one hundred, add your add your bonuses, consult a chart, mm-hmm. depending on which weapon. Okay, slashing chart. Uh, all right, I do uh, compared to his armor, I do X amount of damage and uh, B slashing critical. Then go to the slashing critical charts, look up the B criticals, roll again. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, I cut off his toe. Low blow cuts toe. That is that considering the defense? Doesn't there a defensive roll that you get? Well, uh, you can choose how much of your attack you want to put as defense, and it's subtracted from the guy's roll. Okay. But um, harp takes out a lot of the tables, and it's just one table. If you're attacking with a sword, they have the slashing table. It tells how much damage you do and what critical you do and what the critical does. All with in one, one roll. Yes. On one table, one roll. Okay. Yeah. Harp also cuts out the um, 40 million spell lists. <laughs> I thought that was one of the charms of of Rollmaster. There's a, there's a, there's a charm to it. Yes. Uh, like Fire Law, you have Firebolt, Firebolt 2, Firebolt 3, Firebolt 5, Firebolt 10. Yeah. And then you have Firebolt 50. 1, Firebolt 5. And then, and you then have 20 and 50 20. and 75. But, I can't remember if it goes a, a much a past 50. But anyway, yeah. But um, in uh, Harp, you'll just take the Elemental Bolt spell and mm-hmm. use Firebolt. And then the spell actually has options on it. Okay, I want to make this... I want to do extra fire damage with this. I'll add on this to my roll. Or I want to use it to set the guy on fire. So I'll add X to my roll. So you can pick and choose spells instead of spell lists. So you're going to have Firebolt... And then you do, or whatever, and then you'll just add extra effects depending on how many points you add. Okay. And and in a lot of ways, um, each spell is essentially one of Rollmaster's entire spell lists. And all of the uh, the additional spells inside the spell list are just different effects you can make that spell do. Oh, okay. So it's kind of the same thing, but different presentation and consolidated and very very consolidated it's very bite-sized and i think it's well considering 
that harn or harp you have there that's one volume you only need the one volume to play uh yeah it has all the character classes it has uh, most of the spells in there now there are additional books like the college of magic which adds a whole ton of extra magic stuff to it um i don't think there's much of a bestiary in here um because i've got um a, a while back, I got the a Rollmaster. Uh, I'll pull one of them out. <clears throat> Rollmaster standard system. Oh, yep, yep, yep. This is spell law. Yep, that's pretty much it. You need a rollmaster needed like three separate books to, right. uh, yeah. Spell uh, the the version I have is these three little red books. Mm -hmm. It's all of spell law, but it's divided into the essence spells, channeling spells, and mentalism spells. Right, which are I have that over in my corner over there. The bo blue box set. Yep. Yeah. Um, we're we're actually going to Gen Con this year, and uh, as usual, we're sharing the booth with Iron Crown, and uh, it's going to be a stretch to see if Rollmaster Unified is going to be uh, there in time. But they're still they were almost they were almost there. I thought two years ago. I thought so too, but I guess they were having. I guess there was an artist who like disappeared off the face of the planet. <laughs> I wonder who that it was. I, 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 there's a couple of Twitter threads about two different artists that kind of resurfaced, like washing cars or something weird like that. And um, uh, I know Aaron was, or Aaron Smalley was working on tables for it and stuff, and they've got a lot of that stuff uh, finished now. I think it's the print run that may just miss the Gen Con window because it takes a few months to print. Mm, so uh, hopefully that is the case because sometimes I, I'm not talking about Iron Crown in particular, but sometimes game design design companies will say we're almost there and they're almost there for years. We're almost at the printers. I mean, it's usually Kickstarter people who basically ab abscond with your money. That's a few of uh, that's a few Kickstarters. I have money tied in right now. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Divinity 2. Oh boy, I'm scared. Don't be the divinity too when Patrick rolls around. <laughs> yeah, uh, two years past there, we're going to deliver it to you date. And uh, the recent uh, update has been, oh, by the way, we brought on a few extra people and we've completely redesigned the game from the ground up. Again? Yeah. Oh, oh, your Kickstarter. Yeah, isn't, yeah. That, nice? isn't that nice? So with harp um is is it also made by um iron crown yes okay so it's it's their thing okay so is it distinct from uh rollmaster setting wise or is it is it their generic version it's uh like rollmaster it's kind of generic um, well, yeah rollmaster is already generic right right yeah. but harp does, i don't i don't believe harp has a like a 
specified setting. Mm-hmm. I think they just have a bunch of extra collection books, like a bestiary and uh, folkways uh, for all the different races and stuff. But uh, that's about as much setting material as you get. Well, having the races in a bestiary would go a long way to showing what an implied setting would be like. And the classes. I mean, they're not, from what I remember from uh, Rollmaster, there's, you know, they're, they're, they have specific named classes. So that would be part of your implied setting as well. And, and they, they in a little bit like Middle Earth, they have, do they still have high men and um, orcs and stuff like that that you can actually play? Yep. Uh, I'm not sure what came first, Middle-Earth role-playing or Rollmaster, but um, all three of these games share a lot of blood. Well, I think Rollmaster, Spell Law, I believe, came out first as a supplement for D&D, a proposed supplement for D&D. And then either um, they, the, the, the uh, Middle-Earth thing happened or the Rollmaster generic thing happened. And then they made Middle Earth role playing from Rollmaster. But I can't, like you, I can't remember the timing of that. Oh, Dracopole, uh, don't worry. Uh, I would never, never back Kickstarter by uh, Ken Whitless. Yeah, I've heard, um, yes, uh, I've heard a lot of bad things about Mr. Whitman. He has an entire website called, like, not another, uh, not another dime for Ken or something like that. Yes, um, I don't think Ten Car from Ten Car's Cavern, uh, Tavern, Ten Car's Tavern likes him very much. No, he has he has lots of salty words for him. Well, he deserves every bit of it. Yeah, from what I understand. All uh, right. Anything more you want to talk about with Harp? Um, I would run Harp. I would play Harp. Uh, I would play or run Harp long before I would do Rollmaster. Oh, okay. Because of it being so um, um, compressed or streamlined? I, I feel like you need a, a program to run Rollmaster effectively. Right. And that's going to be my problem with Hackmaster. If it seems like for me to be able to... I, I, I can run math in my head pretty fast and easy. Oh, here we go. Rollmaster, 1980, Middle-Earth, 82. Okay. Thank you, Dragonpole. All right. Oh, and and on that note, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold the phone. If you haven't already, subscribe, like, share, do all that stuff. All right. Are we done with phone holding? (laughs) All right. Moving along, that was your number three, right? So, yeah, was my number three. Now, my number three is one that I thought Pat was also going to choose, but uh, and then we would just overlap. But he saw it, it on my list and decided to just let me run with it. So we can both talk about it. He knows Earth more about Magica. Earth Magica. I remember when it first came out. I don't think I I don't have the first edition rules, but I remember the blurb about it. Ars Magica is set in a fictitious um, old England, old Earth. Yeah, mythic Europe. 
Yeah, Mythic Europe is the official setting name. And so all the familiar names of places are there. I don't think they have new, do they? I mean, mm-hmm. there's London and the, well, there's Germany, but they call it. But in the old t- days, it was called something else. Germania, Germania, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mac, if you get a Jake, if you get a chance, do play it. Do play it. Um, it's uh, it's a simple game. Uh, the mechanics-wise, it's it's actually really simplistic. But the fun of the game is all the invention you get to do because the game seriously encourages invention. Uh, You're not a real Magus unless you invent uh, all of your spells. Don't just pick from the grimoire. Get creative. And uh, so the one time Pat Rant was running an Ars Magica campaign, campaign. and I joined in uh, midstream, and I decided to do something off the wall, and I happened to roll... Okay, so when you when you are because uh, in this game you play uh, the way you're supposed to play is what is called troop play for this game. Troop play in other games you have a a, 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 a stable of your own characters, three or four, and you play you just pick one from among them and play them, and each player at the table does that, uh, and that's troop play in one sense. Troop play in the Ars Magica sense is. Um, there are wizards. Um, what, what's the name of the... Are they there, called wizards? There's magi. Uh-huh. There are companions. Right, so magi. Grogs. And grogs, yeah. So magi, companions, and grogs. But the magi are the stars, because they're the ones that have most of the magical power. Your companions might be minor, but they might also be fighting types. And your uh, grogs... Companions, companions can also be... Uh, magic types as well. Yes. Right, right, but they're not quite as um, powerful. Well, no, no, nobody's as powerful as um, correct. Uh, right, and then your grogs are all like your your um, camp follower types. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So what you're encouraged to do is have several people have grogs, some companions. Everybody can maybe have a ma- a magi. But when you play, only one is played, or maybe not at all. And yeah, then the rest is the Magi, and everybody else plays the and Grogs. Yeah. Um, that is not the way I play. Right. So when I say Mars Magica, it is, you know, Pat's way, where everybody gets to play a Magi. And that can be a little wonky because you can, you're powerful. So I played one in his game, and. In this game, you can... Magus. Huh? A Russian Verdidius Magus. That's what I was playing? Yeah, I I can't... But you were uh, from House Verdidius. Okay. It's been so long, I can't remember uh, those details. But I do remember... Right. I remember um, you can cast the rote spells that Mm -hmm. are in the book, and they're uh, easy to cast... You can invent your own rote spells, too. You just have yeah. to actually learn them. Right. Commit but, them to memory. Right. But then you can do spontaneous magic and just because you have several skills, several magical skills, and you can pull them together and create one on the fly. And I did that. And when you do that, you roll. And if you roll Cut it in proper, <laughs> you roll properly or improperly, I don't know. 
um, what it would be termed as, you go into Twilight. Oh, that Is would that, be a proper role. Yes, but it ended up working out well. That Twilight. So basically, I went to another dimension and had an experience there that I don't remember very well. Tripping and, fantastic. Yes, and came back, um, but it was fun. Uh, it's open. It's kind of an open-ended system, but it's designed to showcase that part of the game, the magic. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, half the fun of the game is inventing new spells because the the book has like there's there's five arts, uh, ten forms. Um, you have the the five arts: uh, creo, create. Muto, change, perdo, destroy, uh, rego, control, and intelligo, uh, perceive. Right. It has a very Latin theme. Oh, yes, yes. And, you know, uh, Latin scholar. Mm -hmm. You have uh, your ten forms, which is orum, aquam, uh, water, air, and all the rest. You pair form like rego, Aquam, which is I control water, and then there's some guidelines on what uh, what level you need to uh, number you need to hit to uh, accomplish a task. Like uh, Rego Aquam, I want to uh, I want to uh, part this river like the Red Sea. It's like, okay, well, uh, Rego Aquam, uh, that's, that, that looks like a level 35 hmm. power. So you take your, your skill number in Rego, your skill number in Aquam, add them together, roll your die, and hope that you, you hit the 35 if you had the spell memorized. Now, if you don't have the spell memorized and you're just going to do this from scratch, mm-hmm. uh, you got to cut your total number in uh by 10 by 10 yeah so <laughs> and still make that roll uh and if, well if you if you miss the roll by like up to 10 points uh you take a level of fatigue and if it's like greater than that the spell fails um but yeah half the half the fun is inventing your spells finding creative uses for your spells and inventing magic items. Um, as magic, it feels like it would be so much better not being played as such. Yeah, uh, Bruce, I agree wholeheartedly. wholeheartedly. So Dark, Dark Sun has a, a, a method of a troop play where you have three, I think it specifies three characters. But, you know, it's a deadly game. You're expected to die. One of your characters dies. You bring up your other character. And that's what troop play means for a lot of people. And I went on, I went, I went on, uh, I called into a pod, a podcast saying, I don't like troop play. I think it sucks. <laughs> I got a lot of grief out of that because a lot of people like troop play apparently out there. I do not, not, not the Ars, And I specified the Ars Magica troop play method. Um, other types are fine. I'm sure. I'm sure there's there's fine troop play out there, but only if the characters are like comparable. comparable. Yeah. Uh, whereas Ars Magica's troop play is not comparable. <laughs> right. Especially not the Grogs. I mean, the cook. I'm going to play the cook today. Oh. <laughs> you play the cook. You piss off your uh, your Magus, and he just lights you on fire. 
oh, you don't get a saving throw because those aren't in this game. Right. You just die <laughs> or or hurt really bad. But um, the way I think Pat had it set up, we uh, all had a Magi within, um, they called them covens? No. Yeah. Yes. And um, basically we go out and discover a place where we can set up and do our research. And I think what the assumption in the game is, um, each person may have a Magi, but those Magi are researching while the other Magi goes out and does stuff. So and you take yeah. turn and you take turns and conceptually it sounds okay, but um, I don't want to just play a grog. That doesn't sound fun at all. It all leads into the, what the way they hand out experience points in the game is it's seasonal play. You have, you get your experience points based on seasons. So one adventure is probably going to be an entire season. If right. you want to study your books on magic, it's going to take an entire season that's three months so it's like winter or spring yeah so time flies in that game and some of your grogs won't be around more than you know a few years of a mage's really extended lifespan oh they live Um, longer uh yeah uh once you once you hit the age of 35 you start making your aging rolls um I've made my sixth aging roll this year. <laughs> um, but you, most mages will uh, come up with a longevity ritual, usually a potion. Uh, and they always work to uh, refine their longevity potions, but mages can live hundreds of years. Oh, okay. That makes sense in the, the with the feel of it. But yeah, um, so for this would you know, cure my itch of always playing a wizard. And I wouldn't need to play wizard in any other game. I like to think I always made ours magic of fun. Yeah, it was fun. I, I, I think, uh, you know, reading the standard way. And then it, when you explained everybody, because we, we have a whole section of our extended group that like playing wizards. I do. You do. Jeff. Um, and several others. And we would all like to play Wizard at the same time. Why mess with that? It would be it, may, it would make see adventuring in Ars Magica isn't necessarily the same as adventuring in D and D. In D and D, you are often set a task by someone, or you delve into a dungeon, or you chase down someone who's kidnapped someone's daughter, or whatever. In Ars Magica, you're researching and studying magic and advancing the art that's ars magica art of magic so you're advancing that so you discover locations that contain magical properties or substances and you collect those and those things aid you in your research and while you're doing that interesting things can happen you can encounter demons or other monsters or other wizards have rivalries and spell battles and stuff like that so it's it's a little it's a a, a different focus and uh that all sounds fun i'd love to be in another campaign of that we only got i only got to play a few sessions maybe two maybe only the one was it only the one or was it two it wasn't very many. I rem- no, I remember you being there for a few games. A few games? Okay. 
Okay. It's been a long time. I actually had dark hair. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little gray then. Now I just have a little color. <laughs> so um, I would, I think I would prefer to play, but I would run it as well. And I would run it as Patrick does, where everybody gets to play a wizard. Now, if you want to play a companion and you would prefer that, that's fine. And we find find figure out a way for that to work out. Um, I recommend uh, companions being uh, hedge mages because hedge mages can do some pretty awesome stuff. Right, right. And uh, the the fighters, the knights, they're pretty tough. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, a, a blade between the shoulder blades of a wizard will kill him just as uh, bad as any dragon might. Yeah, if, if he hasn't started wiggling his fingers at you, I mean, once he's... Uh, the only man, the only advantage you have is there's no such thing as a saving throw in Ars Magica. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing that protects you from magic is the Parma Magica, which is the magic shield that all magi have, and that gives them resistance to to magic. If you cast a spell on anybody that does not have some form of magical protection, like a a, a saint might have a relic on him that produces a magic shield or something, then it just affects you. Uh, you don't get saving throws to, you know, shake it off or anything. The The spell affects you and it lasts until it's done. Right. And I think, right. You had a combat wizard. Um, Mortensen had a combat wizard. Um, right. So, but I, what I remember, isn't there some sort of prohibition on casting your magic? I mean, offensively, if you're if you're defending yourself against aggression, then fine. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, there are lo- the mage laws. You cannot scry on another wizard. Uh, that is considered a huge no-no. Uh, you also cannot engage another wizard in combat unless you have formally declared wizard war. Right. And there's got to be good reasons for it. And intruding on another mage's sanctum is also a huge no-no. Well, sure. Uh, trafficking with demons, big no-no. Right, because uh, the church figures uh, for, fairly largely in this setting. Yeah, pissing off the church is also another big one. Uh, the, Don't cast any spells in a church. That's not order, a good idea. Oh, yeah, especially since most of them have uh, a divine aura and... Uh, if divine, they have a, re- a relic there too, you're in trouble. Uh, divine auras make it really difficult to use even rote magic, uh, unless unless you're actually a, a holy aligned magi. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember Jeff was playing a, a holy mm-hmm. magus that actually had uh, uh, um, <laughs> uh, had holy powers. Yeah, it rarely gets to, I think, the, a war. I mean, you could set that up as an RP thing. Hopefully you avert it by diplomacy. Um, uh, most of the time, you should, if you're going to be directing your ire at things, it's going to be demons and creatures from the Fey Realm, because there's a Fey Realm as well, right? Divine, magic, infernal, fairy. Right. Those are four realms. Right. Oh, one uh, one last thing about ours magic before we move on. Um, the roles in the game, all you need is one d10. 
single D10. Right. There's yeah. Simple rolls and there's stress rolls. Simple rolls are just add stat bonuses, roll of the die, and together. A stress die is add your skills uh, together, roll the die. If it is a zero, you roll the die again, and then you double what's on that uh, uh, on that die. If you roll another zero, you roll it again and quadruple that number. If you roll another zero, roll it again. Times eight. Times mm. sixteen, and it keeps compounding. And I have seen some weird rolls, like um, a guy studying. Uh, a piece of um, Ignem Weiss, like a, a fire crystal, decides to use that as his method of study for the season. He rolled like three uh, zeros in a roll. And, oh my God, the number he rolled, he went from like a five in fire magic to like a 12 in fire magic from one season of study. Oh, his skill increased. Weird. Oh, wow. Uh, a huge skill increase. Oh, wow. That's uh, enough I've to make also, one correct. I'm the, I'm have, the fire wizard. <laughs> I have also seen uh, Jeff's wizard cast this like windshield around himself to protect himself from uh, bandits who were firing arrows at him. One bandit got a really stupid good roll. So the arrow went straight through his windshield, which should have knocked the arrow aside easily and went straight for his heart. Oh boy. It's just the, the day, because the more, the, the, the better you hit your, uh, your opponent, uh, everything over his defense adds to the damage. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> I had to, I, I, I didn't want to see him go like that. I fudged it and I like critically wounded him, but did not kill him. Ah, okay. Fudging rolls. Uh, that this, is a no, 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 no. It, it, it is a yes. Yes. In my game, because making uh, another R's magic, a character would also take a certain amount of time too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little complicated. So oh. that is my number three. All right, move this along. My next pick, Chivalry and Sorcery. Oh, that's a, that's a game I wanted to pick up a while back. That's an older game. Yes, it is. Um, I have uh, the old third edition. Um, this so Chivalry and Sorcery Rebirth, I think, is a fourth edition. They just came out with a new edition. However, uh, much to my chagrin and probably... Uh, Max is a favorite. Picked it up. Uh, this newest edition is the woke edition because they had to go in and talk about. Oh, uh, back in medieval Europe, there were bad people, and they and they enslaved black people, and we uh, we're going to take out all those problematic elements. And it's like, oh my god, nobody cares. Yes, yes, because the only people that held slaves were white people. And, only white people. Slavery and, with white people. T- 
tell me who is going to run a game where your characters are all like slave owners or rapists and pillagers and murderers. I'm sure there's a few out there, but the majority of people's games aren't going to go like that. You want high fantasy. You want to go out rescue maidens, slay dragons, get the gold, win the tournaments. Um, If you're a wizard, you want to find the new magic. Uh, You want to establish your tower. You want to do all the cool things. Stop the rapists and pillagers and slaveholders, those are the enemies. Those are the bad guys. Those, those are the, are the guys, guys. Who kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, uh, the I think it's Britannia Publishing that now has chivalry and sorcery, and they they wokeified it and did lots of woke scolding, and it's like you know what? All right, I bought your book, and it's basically a compilation of the fourth edition rules. So. All right, thanks for nothing. But, uh, but they, they have previous editions. What does the current edition, what is the advantage to it um, apart from its uh, political stance? <laughs> um, this version of Chivalry and Sorcery, the fourth edition one, it came as three volumes. Uh, one is uh, the Rebirth Core Rules. Uh, which is just all the basic stuff for play and uh, all the classes that are like men of arms. Hmm. Um, you have the game master's companion, which has all the, the stuff that a game master would need to know. Um, like all the stuff about medieval Europe and, you know, how to run a kingdom or how to run tournaments and stuff like that. So, but for, is fourth edition the woke edition? No, it's oh. the newest one. Like, I think it's fifth. I think okay. Okay, so fourth is fine. So you're you're okay. We'll after this one, yes. Um, this uh, is the book of uh, magics and miracles, which is basically uh, the the clerics and the wizards. Um, I do. I I do like the system. It is uh, like a D one hundred system with uh, your um, your bonuses thrown in. Uh, difficulties settings are are set in there, so it's like if this is a simple task, or if this is a, a moderate task, subtract ten percent from their uh, their die roll, or if this is a really hard task, subtract twenty five. Um, magic's pretty cool. Um, lots of spells in the game, lots of different types of mages you could play. Um, one thing I really liked about magic in this is you have something called a personal magic factor um and what that is is like you take all your magic skill and like any bonuses you have like if you're born under the sign of scorpio or virgo you're considered a a highly aspected person and good with magic hmm. which means you had a 10 percent bonus to your personal magic factor that indicates the power of your spells and uh like in your like the classic firebolt spell um when casting firebolt the damage code in it is magic level times two plus your uh your uh, crit die roll Hmm. so um you can just make yourself more and more powerful and um there's lots and lots of skills in the game. 
you can play a lot of different types of games. Uh, this is also a game where even men of arms get tired during their fights. Hmm. You lose fatigue um, for every round you're in combat. I can verify through um, I took martial arts, and when we would spar, you get tired. There's no, um, hold on a second, I'm going to catch my breath. Um, you get tired really fast. Um, it's It was always funny watching the old kung fu movies where there would be fights that would last so freaking long. You're like, how? is That's not possible. Of course it's a movie, so of course it's not possible. Yeah, I've... Uh... I used to belong to the SCA and I've, I've put on a set of plate mail before and got the rattan sticks and walked out there. And by the end of one sparring round, you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Water. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting is, is very taxing, very taxing. Unfortunately, uh, it, it's it is for spell casting for mages too because they use the same pool of uh, fatigue points hmm, for hmm. casting their spells. Is it uh, governed by all the same stats? Oh, okay, that's cool. That's cool. So, so um, but it's have a, a buff mage who can cast spells all day. Hmm. So it's but it's medieval fantasy. Classic medieval fantasy. Okay. Okay. Um, what sets it since it's classic medieval fantasy and that's kind of a D and D thing. What, what, uh, what sets it apart? I know you just described, um, how magic, how the magic factor works. So that's something that does, but is there anything thematically that you would say sets it apart from D and D apart from the rules? Uh, the equipment section, uh, you, you, you keep track of like three sets of currency. Oh, Crowns, shillings, uh, pence. Oh, and like like stuff in the equipment section is like, oh, this sword is uh, five shillings and six pence. Oh, okay. So it's not like everything in like in the player's handbook for D and D or any just about every version of D and D, a thing only costs so many gold or so much silver or so much platinum. It's not like yeah, and any the, farther than that. And the conversions in here are like, oh, okay. Well, there's. There's 12 shillings to one pence and 15 pence to a crown. You know, oh, oh. Not, not exactly, but they're like different denominations. Oh, okay. It's not the 10, 10, 10 that D&D nope. usually has. Nope. nope. That's funny. Um, it's very much uh, uh, the, the, the chivalric fantasy. So it's not as high fantasy as Dungeons and Dragons, even mm-hmm. though there are full mages in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it, it borrows a lot from uh, Arthurian legends. Not not as much as the Pendragon role-playing game does, mm. but I think it's it's very nice. In fact, uh, uh, Mr. Symbolist, God rest his soul, uh, actually uh, dedicated the role-playing game to the SCA. Oh, cool. All righty. So it's, it's chivalric. Alrighty, so uh, so that's a little different from D anD D, but D anD D can be you can uh, apply that sort of theme to D anD D fairly easily. 
it's like mo- most of your games probably don't have you fighting goblins or or slaying dragons. A dragon in this game that that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's that's like a you know that's a huge thing. Like smog. Yeah. So it would be that level of threat. You be, you're gonna, you're going to be lucky if you defeat him instead of well it's a fire dragon so I'll shoot him with ice and then that'll that'll take care of him. Yeah, I will. Um, Chivalry and Sorcery has a bit of um, prep time to it, uh, like creating a character. Creating a character is like your first night session because you've got to roll out um, your your birth order, uh, what class uh, that you were born into. Are you a, no- a noble? Are you a peasant? Social class. Right. Yep. And then what class you are, uh, that your class tells you uh, what skills are the easiest for you to learn and um, requires the uh, uh, least amount of experience points mm-hmm. to, to bump up. And uh, yeah, that's an, that's an entire game session is rolling up characters. Well, um, Hackmaster can be that way. There's a the character creation for hack, the current uh, fifth edition Hackmaster is pretty involved and you can, what, what, how, what, Birth order? Did you just say birth order? Yeah. Like, whether, are you the third child, son or twelfth child? How many siblings you have? Whether your parents are still alive? Whether they liked you or not? Yeah. Is that a part of that one too? Yeah. Uh, there's there's a whole With, ton of tables in here. Yeah. Yeah. Whether your siblings even, like you or not. Even your birth sign is. Uh, that's that's interesting. I I like to see that and compare them. Oh, Larry Elliott's got to go. All right. Talk to See you later, you later, Larry. But, uh, yeah, uh, and your birth sign can al- it also determines what skills you may be good at, too. Hmm. That's but, interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll always, I'll always uh, uh, throw down for chivalry and sorcery if, if need be. It just requires, you know, a little bit of prep time first. Right. So, but once you have a character or three that you can, ha- that you have, it's easier to to get going, right? Good. Like a lot of systems, some t- some systems really are involved. Um, um, like, um, have they have? A, uh, it's kind of a, like a life uh, life cycle um, character generation method. A little bit like um, what's the science fiction game? The first one, Traveler. Have that life cycle events where you can die. <laughs> That would be funny. All right. Moving along? Yep. All right. Moving along to number four. Champions. Never got to play it. Yes. Uh, It's uh, the super role-playing game. Now, this is... um, What version is this? They're up to a fifth or a sixth edition. Very large. This is a fairly thick book. Um, The newest version is pretty close to double in thickness um uh, let's see here fourth edition i have the fourth edition and this is from i think it's from i can't tell somewhere around 1990 thereabouts 89 89 first printing of fourth edition book i really like this cover it's very 
it's has a very um a comic book look which is great because that's what champions is about it's a super role-playing game for superheroes four color comic book play and um it's really it's really good stuff um it's different from a lot of other um uh, superhero games um the hero system has been changed a little bit over the years but uh i remember playing a paste pot pete type character uh, paste pot pete was uh, a spider-man villain well foe not much of a villain he's a really low rent um uh, bad guy and he basically had a glue gun he shot at people so that's what i, I made uh, a character that could glue people and flash their senses and those in this version in this version of the game sticking people to the ground and flashing their senses was really powerful you could uh, as long as their senses weren't protected uh, even really powerful creatures i mean he couldn't beat them up or kill them or anything but he could neutralize them real easy Poof, you can't hurt me now ha 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 so but uh I guess um, it has a lot of sentimental value for me because I believe it was my first superhero game. No, that's not true. Marvel superheroes was my first superhero game, but this is my first, uh, one of my first games I played when I went active duty and uh, had a lot of fun with it. Uh, so I, I would love to get into a new, a new campaign of it. I might run one, might run some of it at cabin con as well. Um, to be honest, I haven't really looked at the rules closely in a long time. So I'm really not sure precisely um, what sets it apart from D&D other than it is a totally different system. I believe it's it might be percentage-based, but I can't remember. Um, when, I was, when I picked this topic for the game, for the, um, the live stream, I wanted us to bring some uh, games up that were not D and D, and this is decidedly not D and D. And uh, it's just something I have some um, um, memories from when I was younger, and I would love to get back into it and learn the system. What I remember mostly about it was the Pace Pot Pete character and the phase combat. Phased combat, you had you have twelve phases, and depending on your speed, which is one of your stats would tell you which phases that you acted in. And the, the higher your speed, the more phases you act in. So that almost uh, evokes kind of uh, the, the, seco the sequential storytelling of the, the different panels for a comic. Hmm. Something like that. Counting's Nightmare. I don't remember it being that bad. Um, I still think that that old school role master was way worse mm -hmm. so they have uh you like a lot of superhero systems you have a point a, a set of points that you buy powers with um and depending on what the game master sets as your um, power level you get x amount of points so um not remembering specifically what the points are but if you have a low power kind of street level game compared to something like the um, a super Superman level uh, 
Legion of Superheroes type of of game it would be much higher point value you would you could use to buy or you could start a couple of tiers below and there is an advancement scheme where you could maybe reach into that uh higher level of play draco pole advises avoid direct stolen characters choose <laughs> the choker the giggler and rat woman as your villains that's funny. Yep. But I, I do like uh, superhero games, and uh, Marvel was my first one. But Champions, I'd really like to get back into just to see if it's worth. Uh, just to see if it's worth it. <laughs> I, I I cheat with superhero games. I play a super sorcerer. <laughs> yeah, I've done that a lot too. And uh, depending on which system, it's usually pretty broke. <laughs> I mean. Uh, I think every superhero role-playing game I've ever seen, super sorcery is super broken, but I love it. Right, and that's uh, the super super sorcerer is the variable power pool. Yeah, generally speaking, um, in mutants and masterminds they were powerful. Um, in uh, Savage Worlds version of uh, superheroes, what's that called? Um, the bad guys, where we played the bad guys. Oh, uh, Necessary Evil. Necessary Evil. They had the Super Sorcerer in that, and they're very powerful. And I think in Marvel Superheroes, the Super Sorcerer type is pretty tough. I think I think it boils down to the Super Sorcerer is just, I have any powers I want Yeah, yeah. out of the book. Right, they're which can make them out. complicated. But, you know, physically speaking, if someone gets within striking range of a super sorcerer yeah so that's my number four go jump right into my number five the dark eye i've never heard of that one uh it is a german role-playing game uh called das schwarz alga which actually translates to the black eye but that would be a strange name for a role-playing game here it would be problematic yeah (laughs) the black eye Mm -hmm. punch but um it is another uh classic uh fantasy uh high fantasy DD style game however the uh the the system is quite unique Hmm. And that you have, you know, when you roll for skill checks and stuff, you actually roll three 20 sided dice. Oh my God. Oh no. Thank you. Thank you, Omenel. <laughs> at least it's not the brown eye. <clears throat> yeah, at least it's not the brown eye. Uh, you roll three 20 sided dice and. Uh... Oh. <laughs> Dark Eye was just brought up less than five minutes ago in this conversation I'm having on the basic expert Gilded server. <laughs> Gilded, that's Gilded is the Discord alternate. But anyway, you roll three twenty-sided dice. Uh, each represents like your mind, your body, and your spirit. And they're well, they're they're each twenty-sided die is tied to a stat, uh, and those stats are listed under each skill or each action you do. The 
for each of the uh, the d20s you need to roll under the the stat for it so uh sagacity is your intelligence and if you had to roll uh you'd have to roll under your intelligence stat and if any one of those is over uh one of the stats rolled uh the skill fails what skill ranks do is you use your skill ranks to lower the uh, the numbers you roll on each uh, on the d20s to so where low you, is good you can situate the the d20s to where their uh your skill will succeed any leftover skill points translate to uh quality as in like if you're uh uh, if you're making a jump and you use your your jumping skill to lower your d20 rolls to where they're they're underneath your your stats and you have points left over it can translate to a further jump or mm-hmm. if you're a magic user making a magic potion uh, and you you roll good and you have skill points left over uh, the quality of potions you make like your healing potion um, heals more hit points and stuff like that. So let's say you needed a seven and your roll was an eight and your skill is a five. You only have to use one of the five. You would have four left over to make your the, 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 potion, quality, better. the potion better or the jump higher or whatever. That's mm-hmm. cool. That, that is an interesting way to do things. Um uh, characters are, are pretty uh, freeform in how you can uh, develop them. Uh, there's several traditions of magic in which uh, uh, they have lots of different abilities for each tradition and stuff like that. And uh, spells are pretty cool. Um, they do a little bit of Harry Pottering with the uh, the spell names, like uh, oh. like the the fire bolt spell, which creates like a ray of fire uh, is called Ignifaxis. Ignis. Ignifaxis. Ignifaxis. Yes. Okay, so uh, faux Latin. Yeah, kind of faux Latin. Um, let's see if I can find some of the other spells in here. Um Uh, Respondami. Uh, this spell lets you dominate a target's mind to force them to speak the truth. Uh, let's see. Uh, Psychostabilis. This spell protects you from domination or transformation magic. Somnigravis makes your target sleepy. <laughs> and then some of them just have regular English names like Spiderwalk. Oh, okay. So only some of the spells have those uh, the flowers. Majority, the majority of them have the okay. the weird names. Harmless shape. Horophobus influences the mind, making targets experience terrible nightmares or become fearful. Um, question here: Do you have to do you have to translate it, or is it already in English? Oh, um, my copy is English. So, um, is it a fairly recent game? 
uh, let's see, uh, Ulysses, North America, uh, prints this. Uh, hmm. There's lots of books out for it. Um, I got this one like four years ago. Oh, so it's an established game. It's nothing. It's an established game. Okay. Uh, they, they finally put out the magic book for it, um, which I was very excited about. Well, sure. <laughs> no, you you can you can totally get it in English. Um, that that that's the reason it's actually called the Dark Eye and not Das Schwarz Auge. Hmm. So it's originally a German game. So when yeah. you say they finally came up with the magic book, that means they finally very got... popular in Germany too. It's like Germany's version of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. So that the when you say that they just came out with the magic book, do you mean they just came out with the translation, the English translation for the original German book, or are these is this a an English version I'm not book? Sure. I'm 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 not you sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I I only really pay attention to the. Uh, um, the 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 recent stuff, mm-hmm. uh, as far as English goes, because when I first uh, I first saw this game at like Rogers Hobby Center like two decades ago, oh. and it was an, it was in English. It was called The Dark Eye, but uh, I did some research into it. It's like, oh, this game's from Germany, and. Uh, I don't. I don't know about much about the, the the German game. I could read it very slowly, um, given there enough was a time, time when I could. Because uh, uh, German's my third language. I um, learned a bit when I was stationed there, so I could probably have slowly read some of it because it was uh, mostly my Deutsche schlecht. <laughs> yes, wo ist der Bahnhof? I mean that was the the uh, that's my extent of German at this moment. <laughs> oh, schnitzel, schnitzel. That's a, that's German. I've I've never actually got to sit down and actually play uh, this game as long as I've had the book. Um, but I'd be interested in uh, giving it a spin. Okay, that's another that's another cabin con candidate then. Just yeah. to throw something together for. Um, but is it standard fantasy fair, or does it have something distinct about the world pretty, that's different? Pretty standard fantasy fair. Uh, the difference between Dungeons and Dragons and the Dark Eye is the Dark Eye has a very established world of uh, Aventuria, mm. and there is so much lore on Aventuria; it fills volumes. Um, like there are. There are so many uh, different, like, nationalities to play in this game. They have one for, like, a, a parallel for, like, every Earth culture has a culture, like, in the Dark Eye. So named somewhat differently, but, yeah, but you can see the parallel. Like, Vasagonians and Northlanders. But you know, it's like, okay, these are the Vikings. Okay, these are the Arabs. Hmm. Uh these are the Sikhs. Did you know that um, Netflix has a Vikings TV show? And oh. they have a brand new character in it. A Jarl of a particular group of Vikings. Who happens to be a black woman somehow. <laughs> 
I was waiting for the punchline. Yeah. It's a little unique, uh, one would say. Considering Vikings are very pale, and I doubt that any... I'm pretty sure that this Jarl was a historical figure, not not a woman, I'm sure. I don't think there was a Viking Jarl ever that was woman. I think if they had a Jarl that was a woman, they would call it something else instead of Jarl, because I'm pretty sure Jarl is a masculine title, I would assume, out of the Vikings. I want to say there is a different title uh, for a lady Jarl. Um, damn, I'm blanking. But um, Back to the black eye. I mean, dark eye. Not <laughs> not the brown eye. Not the brown eye. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I would love to take uh, the dark eye out for a spin. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. Revisionist yes. History Channel. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, once you have your fifth pick, um, I would love to go through a lightning round where I have a couple extra picks here. I'll do a uh, two-sentence uh, blurb about it. And Yes. There's, there's so much to show people. I, yeah, I, I don't really have much for lightning. However, my fifth uh, book or fifth game is one that after looking at the <laughs> list and then looking looking at my shelf back there, I realized... I don't own it. However, I'm going to rectify that as soon as it's possible. Um, Year Zero Engine game called Aliens. Um, And it is exactly what it sounds like. If you're not familiar, um, it is uh, a licensed product for that movie series. And um, I think that the Year Zero Engine the cinematic version, I believe, is what we, not the campaign version, is what we played at CabinCon. Um, no, not Conan 2D20. Um, it, is, uh, it is an emulation or uh, um, an emulation of that uh, IP from the movie. And it's very well done. Um, I think that the only thing I would say I didn't like about it is that the fear factor that they, it's not called that, but whatever, the fear element of the game generally eventually led to everybody screaming at each yes, other. The, the cascade of screaming idiots. Yes. So that, that might've been just what ended up happening at the table when we played this yeah, stress. So, <clears throat> but um, it just so happened that it always led to screaming and eventually it made multiple people, multiple people scream. And I think the reason for it is that the screaming would draw the, draw the alien creatures in. So, but, um, and there might've been other eventualities, but that's for some reason, that's what ended up happening with us. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with Blade Runner. Right, there are two books out now: the core book and the Space Marines book. Cool, um, yeah. So we have. Um, thank you, Martinson. I think uh, so. I'm, I'm hopefully going to get at least one of them soon. Um, and the cinematic version. I've heard people say that they didn't think the campaign version would work. I think that might have been Legion of Myth, um, but I really enjoyed playing. Um, well, now the the adventure. I think there's a 
free adventure you can get for it. And it's basically, <clears throat> it's basically the cut scene, the cut, um, the cut out scene from the aliens movie that you can get if you get the extended version where they show what happens, um, to the, um, colony before, um, Ripley and crew crash there or, or land there. And then eventually their, their ship crashes or the, the lander smaller uh, craft crashes. But anyway, cabin con we played that. Yes. I, that was, that was one of the, uh, one of the best nights for me. Yeah. That was really a lot of fun. Even though I was taken out by a face hugger at the drop ship. Yeah. (laughs) The drop ship. Yeah. Yeah, the other survived the entire game, only get taken out at the at hour eleven. Right, right. I mean that was right at the end, but yeah, and even even when my character that survived, um, it was it was iffy what happened subsequently uh, because it could have played out a lot of different ways. Be, I mean, because you know the corporation is involved and they're shady. As hell, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I would like to play that in a setting that's not you automatically. Well, if you're if the game is called Aliens, you really it's hard. That's 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 kind of um, I'm I'm going off in a lot of different directions here. I liked the 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 game we played. I I just think that there's kind of two. Um, opposing things with this game is I've seen the movie, the movies, and I as a player know what the aliens are capable of and what should happen. You should gather everybody up, retreat to space, and nuke the planet from orbit. You really don't do anything else. Right. Um, Martin says he's running a, uh, an all-Marines campaign for uh, Cabin Con. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that'd be fun playing it's Marines. Game over, man, it's game over. Well, mainly it's, it's going to now. Yeah, I mean uh, the the situation we play the the scenario we played in we were all not. It was more like Alien, the first movie, where everybody involved were scientists or just workers or whatever. No, I mean had one uh, one person I who was doctor. Yeah, you were a doctor. No one that was a real soldier. We didn't have any gear. Yeah. In cinematic mode gives you character objectives, so you need to do that. So you can't just you can't just retreat immediately and nuke. So you have to really do that. And then that makes it fun. And it gives you good role playing cues and all that. Um and I apologize that I don't have an example of the book uh, to show. Uh, but we, um, as soon as I can lay my hands on on one, I will do so. All right, we ready for a, a quick lightning round? Yes, and uh, the lightning will be all yours. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, first of all, Lone Wolf, the adventure game. Uh, for anybody who remembers uh, the old Lone Wolf books, they were a set of choose-your-own-adventure books that uh, um, they were my first choose-your-own-adventure books. But I didn't play the the Lone Wolf books. I played Grey Star the Wizard, 
and uh, those were awesome. Uh, the Lone Wolf Adventure game actually um, plays exactly like the Choose Your Own Adventure books, except they throw in uh, rules for making skill checks and uh, you know combat with more than one person since you're not playing the game solo. Um, oh, so it's not... It says Lone Wolf, but you're not lone. No, you're not lone. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, the core set... Uh, Mine is actually signed by Joe Deaver. May he rest in peace. Um, and uh, you you play you play just the 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 Kai Lords, uh, which uh, Lone Wolf was. Uh, an additional book, uh, Heroes of Magnamon, has a whole bunch of extra character classes. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be cool. I'm not. I, I'm. I remember the reference, but I'm not sure. Is that, an, an, anime? Is that an anime? It's not an anime. It's actually a Japanese film series. Oh, okay. Um, the The entire Mandalorian series was basically almost beat for beat Lone Wolf and Cub. But is um, that the one with the dude and his uh, son? Yeah. Um, the the wandering Ronin and uh, his his charge. Lone Wolf, uh, the adventure game, uh, also has even the same combat tables as uh, the old books. And uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, would love uh, to bring it out and play it anytime. Mm. Next on the list, the Talisman Adventures. Um this is based on the board game Talisman. That's some Inception crap right there. Yes. <laughs> I mean, a Talisman, the board game, is a D&D, the board game. And now um, the, in the Talisman, the board game, has become Talisman, the um, role-playing game. And uh, all of the tropes uh, and stuff you would see in the Talisman board game are in the role-playing game, uh, like your two main stats are strength and craft. Mm -hmm. you, have, you have three uh, different like strength stats and three different craft stats to expand the game a little sure, more. Sure, sure, sure. Skills and stuff. Uh, you have character levels, and each character level you, um, each character class you play. Like if you're playing a wizard, uh, there's. Um, two uh, different paths you could take. Like, each level has one of two powers you could take. You can choose one or the other. Uh, and spells in the game uh, play a lot like uh, spells from the Talisman board game. And uh, one unique thing about Talisman is that, um, like, during combat, uh, the player does all the rolling. The player's role uh, simulates both your hitting the target and the target trying to hit you. So if you if you roll like really low, um, you may not do damage, but the other guy does damage to you, uh, and you turn to a frog. Often you could uh, the totification spells in there. Um, is it a cooperative game or? Yes. Competitive. Yes, it's it's cooperative. 
Okay, so that element has been switched to yeah, that, that, a more that standard D and D or standard fantasy adventuring party type thing. The same story, though. So I don't know what you guys are going to do when you you get to a talisman, but it, um, I think it's assumed that you go on other different adventures other than looking for the crown of command. Hmm. Um, I mean that that seems like it'd be fun. Yeah, especially yeah. as a diversion. Um, you may have to. Uh, Ether Jeff and tie him to a, a chair before you get him to play talisman. Oh, you have to pull a BA? Yeah. On Jeff? You, you have to BA Baracus him. <laughs> That's <laughs> because funny. I have never seen anybody who hates the talisman board game as much as he does. And he says the role playing game ain't going to do anything for me either. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Jeff yeah. Um, okay, lightning round. Uh, next one. The Witcher. Of course there's a game. Yep. Um, well, it was originally a video game, right? No, no, it was originally a... Yeah, originally a set of books. Set of books that got made into a video game. And then turned into a Netflix series, and you got a role-playing game. Um, was, the, was the Netflix series out first or the role-playing game? Do you know? Actually, I think the role-playing game might have come before the Netflix series. I mean, there's only they've only finished the second season, so. Um, Although they had, um, I think they had a year break because of the Rona. Uh, it was 2018 this came out. Well, that's almost four years ago. But um, this one's made by Artelsorian Games. Uh, you guys were talking about them uh, last week, I believe. That, yeah, Our I can't remember. You're wondering if they were still around? Well, oh, yeah. There it is. Around. They also make uh, Cyberpunk. It, yeah, because they had uh, 2077 got released fairly recently, right? Or, that's, or is that the video game? Cyberpunk Red is the board game. In 2077, I think, is the video game. Yeah. Um. Witchers, uh, pretty simple as far as rules go. Uh, there's a little bit of power disparity in uh, the role-playing game, as in if you want to be the powerhouse of the game, either play a witcher or play a mage. Uh, because uh, you, you, you're not going to do much in combat when you're a craftsman. Although they do have their place. Um all the classes, all the different classes in the game have neat stuff. Mm -hmm. Really neat stuff. Uh, and you could play a very viable craftsman build or a doctor build. Um, play a bards. priest. Bards. Uh, uh, bards have their place too. But uh, it, it, as far as physical powerhouses, if you want that, you play a witcher. Because nobody can get their... Uh, reflexes as high as a, a witcher can but well maybe, yeah they're the, it's called witcher so that makes yeah. sense um, they have their po do they do the same thing with potions and stuff in there for the witcher witcher drinks their potion and, do, and then they're like yep. juiced up There's, and do, do their thing uh this game also has a lot more to do with the crafting aspect like uh crafting po uh, though the witcher potions and your weapons your armor and all that stuff they go down to how many iron ingots or how many, you know, uh, piece of wood does this take? Does this, 
require a special material, how much extra stuff it does it take. It, it goes into really de- uh, a lot of detail for crafting. But uh, the, the, game's, uh, the game looks uh, pretty fun. And then last on the list is a brand new role-playing game I just got from Kickstarter. Shiver! It is a horror role-playing game. Um, it's not the game version of the movie Shiver, is it? No. Okay, good. Um, it's role-playing tales and the strange and unknown. Uh, the one thing that is probably going to turn off a lot of people to it is it does have its own proprietary dice. Um, but uh, the if you take something like uh, Fantasy Flight Games' Genesis system versus this system you'll find that it's far, it feels far more like the year zero engine than it does Genesis where it's like I have positive things and negative things I got to take the negative things out and the positive and oh uh, here's a success here's a success uh, no and this you have like I think five or six basic stats uh, you roll a number of dice equal to your stat number and you're just looking for the symbols that you need. Uh, like each stat is a symbol on the die. Like for for might, you have a fist. For luck, you have a clover leaf. For intelligence, you have a little uh, light bulb. And uh, if you're making like an intelligence check to you know uh, to discover something, um, you just roll the dice, and you're looking for the uh, uh, the intelligence symbols. Okay, and that if you get that, then it's more. That's where your successes are at. Yes. Uh, however, if um, there's a there's a uh, a part of the game where if you if you roll a lot of a different symbol other than what you're looking for, you can uh, tell it in a way that makes it like okay, uh, yeah, I rolled a lot of might symbols, and what I needed was intelligence. Um, I'm going to spend a fate point here and I'm going to say that I Fonzie the thing by, you know, knocking into the computer and going, Hey, and the computer for some reason works because I rolled a lot of might, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, you, 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 you gotta use some of your points for that. But the, uh, does it have an easy conversion for dice to regular? Not really. Uh, because if you take, uh, there, there's two types of dice. There's the attribute dice and there's talent dice. Uh, talent dice is like uh, there's no skills in the game. So if you're if you have a high intelligence, like a four intelligence, and you get a couple of talent points in intelligence, you roll extra uh, eight sided dice that have like extra success symbols on them, mm. and they're just success symbols. But the uh, core mechanic in this game that I really, really like is something called the Doom Clock. The Doom Clock, um, there's 60 minutes to a Doom Clock, and each time you roll uh, a symbol on the die called the Strange, uh, it adds a minute to the Doom Clock. Uh, Things that you do in-game might add to the Doom Clock. Mm. Like, Mm. Like, you open the box that should not be opened it may add like 10 minutes to the doom clock or something that's kind of like the board game arkham horror that has a a similar type of deal um but every 15 minutes of the doom clock that ticks off some in-game event happens 
that makes everything get worse. Ooh. Like um, one scenario in there is you're trying to escape this facility that the, there's been a zombie outbreak at. And you have NPCs with you that you're trying to escort out with you. And like when the, the doom, when the doom clock hits 30 minutes, uh, one of these two characters gets killed. No choice of your own. The zombie gets uh, one of these two people and ah. the game chooses which, which person it might be or something. Or is there a way to turn the clock back? Very few events in the game can turn the clock back. Uh, some special character abilities are able to turn the clock back. And like, um, say the zombie virus thing. Hey, we're, we were able to synthesize this uh, retro virus that will buy us some more time if we inject ourselves. We all inject ourselves. Okay, uh, we'll turn the doom clock back five minutes. Hmm. But, um, like, at 45 minutes, uh, oh, the helicopter that was waiting on the, the roof took off without you. Oh, guess you got to find a new way out. <laughs> but uh, it the, the game gets to its absolute worst when the doom clock hits midnight, and then well, that's yeah. the last event that happens. It's not an automatic, like, campaign loss. Right. But it's when all the worst shit happens. Right, right. Um, this game seems like it's only made for one-shots. But there are entire character type progression tables in here in which you gain levels and gain new abilities and stuff. Um, there are the classes in the game are each tied to one of the stats. Like um, like the, the might stat you have like uh, the 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 bruiser character, the fighter character, and they have like three different types of archetype. Okay, you have for might, you have the warrior. For skill, you have the maverick. For uh, intelligence, you have the scholar. For um, charisma, you have the socialite. For luck, you have the fool. Uh, for the the weird, you have the weird. <laughs> and uh, the final symbol in there is the survivor. Uh, the weird is what you want to play when you want to be like uh, Eleven from Stranger Things, hmm. where you have the telekinetic powers and stuff. Or if you want to be an occultist, or if you want to be, um, they include the person who, who might be secretly a werewolf. <laughs> but anytime you roll those strange symbols, it powers the strange's abilities, but it also ticks up the doom clock. Oh, nice. So there's, a, there's a downside to playing one of those classes. But, so, uh, I wonder if this would lend well to playing in a kind of a uh, TV show, Supernatural type of um environment very much so yeah very much so um these dice also control uh what the monsters do too uh the monster stat blocks are pretty simple and based on what is rolled on the die is what the monsters do uh so the game master doesn't have a lot that he has to take care of but yeah that's all the that's all the role-playing game goodness that uh i had uh okay well, that's really cool. I appreciate you bringing those extra ones. Uh, that's some uh, more things to think about. And all of that looks like good one-shot material for Cabin Con just to experiment with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so um, that is the end of our um, five games segment. Um, I want to do a quick blurb about Cabin Con, or not Cabin Con, um, 
Oh. We could. I mean, we have some t-shirt design. Yes. Um, right before we do that, I want to mention something about there. There's been some questions on on Discord and other places about Mud Sword and where we are at. Oh, yeah, and yeah. for those who care, um, we are waffling. We don't know if we want it to be to emulate to be an OSR type of uh, emulation or if we want it to be our own thing, some kind of new thing. And uh, once we figure out what direction we want to go, we'll probably move forward again. But uh, right now, we're not sure. We have an identity problem, a crisis, so to speak. Um, also, let's see. I'm going to try to get these um, T-shirt designs. So, Patrick... Um, designs our t-shirts has designed them for the last several years for cabin con let's see if i can get this up here oh sure um all right uh, there's the first one the very uh, first one and uh, it's a, we were a small group back then, um, but uh, the the Latin on the front quid acidit cabin con monet abit uh, monet ab cabin con is what happens at cabin con stays at cabin con, which is kind of a, a tagline for us. You got Joe in the middle there with uh, the purple star robe with the staff that says that's racist. Got uh, Randy up at the top with the Dungeon Master Guide. <laughs> Larry with the D20 nipples. Yeah, yeah. A different Larry, not not, not Larry Elliott from the chat. And uh, me making Trent some kind of blind character is never not going to be funny. No. And he loves it. No yes. Matter, yes. Yes. He is not offended, folks. <laughs> no, no, no. So this was... Um, your first, your first T-shirt. First T-shirt. Yep. Let me see if I can just roll over to. No, it doesn't work. All right, so we will stop that share. And the new one. I got them out of order. Okay, that's the. This is the latest one. This one was Cabin Con, fifteen. Uh, this was the 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 comic book style cover. I've got this as a giant poster in my basement. But uh, Demo Comics Group, and there's Larry Elliott in the corner, and the 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 the. the uh, um. Oh my God. Creator of all the Marvel heroes. My God, my brain is off today. Stan Lee? Stan Lee. Oh, my okay. God. Uh, this is the Battle for the Dorkfinity Gauntlet. And uh, you can see the each of the Dorkfinity stones are, are different polyhedrals. And uh, Joe is over there as Dr. Fate. And uh, I'm over on the left as Doctor Strange. And then Randy's up top as uh, Superman. 
And then, of course, uh, near the bottom, <laughs> I had to make Trent Daredevil, <laughs> blind superhero. And that is a, a at the very bottom is a little bit of meta. Uh, we got Greg Trombley to uh, come back to Cabin Con, made him Deadpool. But I thought it'd be funny if we had him posing as Deadpool, but he rips open uh, his costume and shows that he's wearing a shirt with Greg Trombley's real face on it. <laughs> yeah, it's meta. Okay, let's get into the next one. I'll save that one for last. Takes too many clicks to do this. <laughs> uh, Cabin Con 11, The Dork Awakens. This one was based on uh, the Force Awakens uh, movie poster. Um. Randy is off on the left. Uh, I, I think he was. I can't remember who he was on the the, the movie poster. But you have not, not the Death Star, but the that new battle station that's like the Death Star. We got the D twenty in the back. Uh, there's Joe with the purple robe, and uh, there's me with the 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 green and black robes. I basically asked everybody what their their favorite character class is, and. I made everybody based on that, and of course I make Trent the blind monk down there. But uh, uh, this was this one was a pretty fun one to make. We we started getting a lot of uh, of new guys uh, coming to Cabin Con, and I think the reason I did this one as a the Star Wars poster was because the this Cabin Con actually fell on May the fifth, right? May the fourth. May the fourth, right? Yeah. Um, let's see here. Cabin Con 13. I thought 13 was a good unlucky number to have as our horror-themed shirt. We have uh, coming out of the mist all sorts of horrifying people like uh, Randy, who is uh, uh, Pennywise the Clown. And on his balloon, you might see uh, I made a floater because, uh, of course, Randy loves poop jokes. But uh, let's see, who did we have you as, Joe? You were. Oh, right in the middle. You're the candy man. Right. <laughs> ben Rieger is a screaming cheerleader. I got uh, Trent uh, up there as a ghost pirate with two eye patches. Two eye patches. <laughs> and uh, down near the bottom there, um, on a horror shirt, I absolutely have to be a Ghostbuster because, yeah, you know, meet me and Ghostbusters. <laughs> mm -hmm. That one is a fun shirt to make. All right, and lastly, probably the most probably the most numerous characters I had for. Oh, wait, there's two more. Uh, there was the, there was the the Cabin Con 14, the COVID Con shirt. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, um, 
Oh, hold on. The Catacon Twelve. Oh. Here we go. At Cabincon Twelve, we still play pretend. Um. This one was probably the most difficult to manage because we had, this was the most people we ever had at Cabin Con. But all of my shirts are a veritable who's who. You know, the, the Where's Waldo, how many characters can you pick out of the lineup uh, for the, um, the shirt? But uh, this was the fantasy-themed shirt. Randy is obviously Falcor the Luck Dragon that takes up most of the picture. <laughs> you got Phil as a Treyu on there. You got Darren as uh, Teeny Weeny. You got Conan back there. We got our uh, uh, our Princess Bride crew on on the bottom left, and on the upper left we got our Monty Python crew. Uh, I made you Tim the Enchanter that year. Yes. Um, and then a couple of them are from Excalibur. So well, just, I would, I'm going to have to say, interrupt you just a moment. This has to be a, the most perfect uh, Jeff. match up here with Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> with his expression and the often expressed um, Merlin in that in yeah. that show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, in the, the very center, we have uh, two characters from Hawk the Slayer. Uh, and then... We've got Willow down in front, Mark Anthony. Um, oh, and uh, James. James is Mad Mardigan. And then uh, four of us were from Lord of the Rings. We got Legolas and Aragorn. There's me as Gandalf the Grey <laughs> with my fake beard. Fake beard. Uh, and I uh, got uh, Josh down there as Gimli. Oh, yeah. And then we have. Uh, up in the corner there, John Andrews as uh, uh, the prince from Crawl. Oh, yes. Crawl. Yep. Then got Conan riding uh, Falcor's tail there. <laughs> also a fun shirt to make. All righty. And, and now finally. Yeah, the one where we weren't supposed to be gathering. Yeah, well. And that's exactly why I made this shirt. Yeah. As uh, who are you to say, Miss Whitmer, whether we can gather with our friends or not? Cabin Con fourteen, COVID Con, the Fallout <laughs> styled shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got uh, the uh, Vault Boy, Angry Vault Boy, who doesn't approve of Governor Whitmer's orders. Having the uh, the the Merv launcher with uh, the D twenty nuke, mm-hmm. and uh, proudly bearing the Gadsden no step on snack flag. We've made our save, and now we aim to misbehave. Yeah, that's one of my favorites right there. I'm pretty. I am shocked. I haven't been called out on making this shirt. Because the, the the t-shirt company that printed them for me, even they got a laugh out of it. I thought of a new one we could make. No? Yeah, yeah. 
cure for COVID <laughs> and just have have uh, Putin's um, um, headshot to kind of grayed out and then behind you just say cure for COVID. <laughs> At least uh, cure for COVID talk. This uh, this year's shirt is going to be sci-fi themed. So, you know, when everybody gets to see the T-shirt, they get to pick out all the sci-fi characters. So, yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Okay, so that brings us to the end and a very a bit of a long show today. Oh, yeah. Um, hour. If you put a spike protein on every number on a golf ball D100, you get exactly what looks like a COVID SARS virus, according to Dragon Ball. Oh. <laughs> okay. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to uh, discuss, Mister Pat? No, I, I I think we've kept these these people long enough. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're saying, "Get him the hell off the show. Get Randy back on." All right. I'm sure that's not what people are saying. At least not out loud. Anyway. No, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. If you'd like to support our show, please visit the many places where you can find us on the interwebs. Uh, our links will all be listed in the show notes. You can find uh, we we have two prominently listed at the top for PayPal and Streamlabs for donations. Should you want to do that, um, we are on I Twitter. Can too. Yes, yes, and I meant to put this in uh, the outline to thank uh, our two our two financial backers. Pat here, and um, is he even on right now? He was earlier. Ah, I don't think so. Arn Man. Arn Man and Patrick are our two financial backers, and we thank you very much for being those, being that for us. Thank you, Max. Thank you for putting up with me. Um, we uh, that those two um, our two financial backers almost provide enough to pay for uh, Streamlabs uh, subscription. It's just a little short. Anyway, uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, MeWe, Odyssey, YouTube. Our email is the Geeks at Biggest Geeks Podcast for suggestions. If you want to give us uh, any ideas for topics for our show, or or format suggestions, anything like that. We'll we'll read your email and consider it seriously. We have a Discord uh, for our show. Um, the link is in the show notes. Uh, please share the show with your friends and let us know if there's any other way we can get our show to you, either audio or video. Please like, subscribe, share, and rate us in all the places that you find us. Anything from Patrick? Oh, Patrick, show your stuff if you have anything to do so. Uh, well, you can uh, you can visit my webpage at pointyhat.games. And uh, if you're interested in checking out uh, my one game so far, Elemental Conflux, you can find it at Drive Through Cards. I have it here on my shelf of many things. And hopefully, if, uh, if things go well, maybe I'll have some future offerings. I... I'd like to have a uh, a board game out or two, or I'm hoping a role-playing game somewhere in the near future. That's good. Good stuff. All right. If that is all, this is Joe. This is Patrick. 
And remember, if you can't be big like us, then be geeks be like geeks us. Geeks like us. <laughs>